Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Welcome to the entire joke day as Welcome to Halloween. Welcome to the Action Radio Monster Mash. So I'll be doing that at various times just because it amuses me. <laughs> what can I say? Well, share problems. Oh, here we go. Okay, we're readjusting. Here we go. So live chat's back, so Marco can uh, check in with us in the Netherlands. That's going to be really cool. And uh, it's Halloween, which, uh, it, I mean, it used to be a lot of fun. You used to dress up as a kid and, uh, you know, <laughs> we had a thing in Canada where we said, shell out, shell out, the witches are out. Except I, I used the B word instead because I didn't know any better. <laughs> the legend has I was about four years old, shouting, shell out, shell out, the, you know, B words <laughs> are out. Anyway, that's, uh, that's, that's life of me way back when. So uh, a lot's going on. A lot's happening these days. It, it's very exciting. Uh, we have a new speaker. Mike Johnson apparently has already passed a, uh, an appropriation bill or some big bill. I didn't even hear about this. Um, I was at Matt Gates rally last night, and it was fascinating. So Matt, uh, he does these public rallies. The last time I was there, it was down at, um, at this place called Jay, which is the northern part of the county. And we had uh, um, was it, 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 a, the Scott family owns everything there, right? So it's Scott's you know, gas station, Scott's furniture, <laughs> Scott's you know, outdoor sporting goods and everything. So it was outside Scott's outdoor sporting goods. And that's where I got to present with uh, – our constitutional amendment to uh, take away the power of Congress to borrow money. This time I had a chance to chat with him briefly uh, about our citizen legislation day. And so that was really cool. So we're going to see, uh, I'm going to send him the, the official invites and I got to say hi to Ginger. And that was kind of cool too. That's that Matt's wife. Um, and it was just, it was really fun, but he's very accessible as a Congressman. And I wish you were back on the show. Um, hopefully citizen legislation, day will bring him back on the show. I mean, there's a lot of uh, very, uh, Interesting things I think we could do, especially now with the new speaker, you know, especially in terms of our, our latest legislation on investigations to, to uh, you know, have what I call defense equity. So there's, there's a ton of things that can be done. Just a question of will they be done. Anyway, I'm just waiting for Brianna to call in and we'll get her. Uh, let me check messages real quick, see if anything's holding up our, our young superstar here. Not so far. All right, let's go. Okay, looks like we're good. <laughs> so it's like it's just waiting for let me vamp for a little bit here. Um, but there is some some fascinating stuff. It's one of my Facebook notes of late is that it's fascinating that uh, the the, the uh, you know Brandon Obama, you know the person occupying the White House, Brandon Obama. That's my new name for him. So Brandon Obama occupying the White House is calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. You know Israel, who was completely invaded by a terrorist attack. Uh, and I was thinking about 9-11, and when we were uh, invaded by a terrorist attack, we went to war in Iraq and Afghanistan for over 20 years. And so us calling for a ceasefire in Israel when the attackers are right next door, I mean, they're actually in what I consider Israel. And for, for, the, for Brandon Obama, you know, to call for a ceasefire, considering what we've done. You know, I mean, uh, let, let's think back just a little bit further, shall we? I don't know, Korea, <laughs> Vietnam, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, Ukraine. You know, we've got a pretty good history of going to war for decades, for decades, and to call for a ceasefire after a brutal, murderous attack. Uh, it goes beyond hypocritical, and this is, this is an entirely new world we're in right now. Anyway, so that was kind of interesting of note. Um, like I said, I'm curious to see what Mike Johnson does. This is going to be really fascinating. I don't even know how he got in. I mean, Matt was trying to explain it last night in the rally, but it, uh, but just the details. Uh, apparently, the the uh, as I heard him, I think it was like some 
there was a bunch of representatives. They, they had the secret ballot, then they had the public ballot. The public one's always the good one. And so they had the secret ballot, and Mike Johnson lost by like 40 votes. Then they had the public ballot, and all of a sudden they're all for him. <laughs> Because they didn't want to be outed as being, you know, anti-Republican, anti. They didn't want to be. They didn't want to be blamed, you know, for continuing this going. And it, it's pretty open now that uh, I heard it from Nancy Mace and I heard it from Matt Gates last night that uh, Kevin McDeepstake was behind all the sabotage. He was the one causing the chaos. He was the one who was uh, who who you know tanked Jim Jordan. Uh, unfortunately, he tanked Emmer. We, we, that was a good thing. He tanked Emmer. Emmer was terrible. That would have been just awful for us. But even contemplating this guy was just was just insane. But uh, apparently Mike Johnson was like next in line. And someone said, oh, how about Mike Johnson? And the guy said, oh, okay, yeah. They didn't know enough about him to vote against him, which is really great. And the deep state didn't have enough time um, to crank up the machine. So this is the best part about that whole thing. They didn't have time to crank up the machine. And so it was, uh, it, it was quite fascinating that I'm saying, I was just praying, praying that I said, please take the vote today. Please take the vote today. God, I, I don't ask much, but give me this one. Right. And so, uh, so they did, they took the vote the same day. Uh, and so he got to be a uh, speaker. And so we'll just see, we'll just see it. It should be really interesting. Uh, catch what's going on. Um, I've got something here. I don't know if I want to start. Cause like I said, I don't know what Brianna should be calling in. Uh, you know, stuff happens, people get busy, you know, things go on, the weather changes, you know, um, We'll just, we'll just keep going this year. There, there's something interesting that uh, Wendy Arthur posts on the Oh My God page. So we, we do have an Oh My God page. Let me get through this as far this as I can. Uh, I just discovered it this morning. It's really interesting. And she posts that there's, there's an old book, Palestinia X, Momentus Veteribus Illustrata which probably means uh, Monuments of Truth Illustrated. <laughs> My Latin's not that good, right? But that's just what I'm guessing, right? And, and then it says, this is, uh, I think she, I think it's her, this might be her commentary. I think it's her commentary or someone else's, but I'll, I'll credit Wendy for now. Anyway, she posted. She says, there is such an old book, Palestinia X, <laughs> Moment, Monumentus, I'll, I'll get this right, Palestinia X, Monumentus Veteribus Illustrata. The author, Adriani Rilandi, is a geographer, Cartographer, that means a map maker, <laughs> a traveler, uh, philog- philologist, I don't know what that means. Um, you know, and he says he knew several European languages, Arabic, ancient Greek, and Hebrew. Well, you need uh, Arabic, ancient Greek, and Hebrew, actually you need Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew to read the original scriptures. Anyway, it says it was written in Latin, hence the veritas ictus unum, e pluribus unum, you know, words there, in the year 1695. So that's about, it's a little bit after uh, Spain hit St. Augustine, Florida. And anyway, it says, Rilandi was describing what it was called then Palestine. So he says he visited almost 25,000 settlements mentioned in the Bible. The research was conducted as follows. He cre- first created the map of Palestine. He then designated every settlement mentioned in the Bible or the Talmud with its original name. If the original was Jewish, it meant Pasuk, sentence in Holy Scriptures, which mentions, mentions the name. If it was the original, if the original was Roman or Greek, the connection was in Latin or Greek. So there we go. So I guess Pasuk was, uh, was before Hebrew. I don't know. I don't know when Yiddish came in. Anyway, so in the end, he made a population census by settlements. Here are the main conclusions and some facts. The country is, we're talking about Israel, right? The land of Israel. The country is mainly empty, abandoned, sparsely populated. The main population in Jerusalem, Akko, Tzfat, that's T-S-F-A-T, Jaffa, uh, Tiberia, T-V-E-R-I-A, and Gaza. Apparently, now, You've got to take a look at our, our international news page, and you have to take a look at, um, at my Facebook page and find it. There's a video uh, from Israel saying, this is what you gave up. 
you know, addressing it to Hamas and the Palestinian folks, the folks that call themselves Palestinian in Gaza. This is called the Gazans for now. And, and it shows the, the parks, uh, the beautiful green spaces, the beaches, the beaches. It was like Miami Beach. You know, Gaza, it was like a tourist Miami Beach. And then, uh, then the Gazans come in and, and totally destroy the place and make it look like, uh, you know, the worst slum of Calcutta or somewhere in India or some of these other places in the world. They're just horrible. Um, and so it's really, it's disgusting what they did. It's really disgusting. And so they took this wonderful land that was, that was given, that Israel never should have given up. Never, never, never. Because you can't give up land to your enemy and expect the, the good things to happen. I mean, that's just irrational on its face. Anyway, but that's what they did. So now, now they have to get back, and they've lost you know, several thousand people, and the, and, uh, the, you know, the Gazans are going to lose several thousand more. And, and Hamas is saying, no, stay in the north. And Israel's like, no, we're going to invade from the north. <laughs> they're even telling them where they're coming from, and they're still there. It's crazy. Anyway, so, but the contention is, and Pianchi made this contention too last week, that this land was originally Palestine. It belongs to people other than white Europeans, which I thought was an interesting interpretation. Anyway. So I, I disagree with that. Um, I think the land of Israel, I mean, Jews are Jews no matter what color they are. It doesn't matter. Anywhere from black to white, the Jews are Jews. And the Jews deserve a homeland. That homeland is Israel. And this is what this guy found. So this is why it gets interesting. All right. So back to, what, uh, back to Wendy's article. She says that, in, uh, da, 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 here we go. Most of the population is Jews. Almost everyone else is Christians. Very few Muslims, mostly Bedouins. The only exception was Nablus. And I guess that's the exception now. Uh, and then uh, Shem, Shem, S-C-H-E-M, which, which, in which approximately 120, 120 people from the Muslim family, Natcha, lived and approximately 70 Shomrumim Samaritans. There we go. I, I wonder if they were good Samaritans. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway, so that's what, um, that's what this is revealing. So the land that, uh, that I guess the Romans called Palestine, from uh, what Jonathan told me, that uh, was really Israel, uh, from what you know, God told us, right? Uh, that uh, this land is uh, that people are claiming. Excuse me. <coughs> Look, I, I gotta mute myself for a second. I'll be right back here. Uh, dry throat. I must have talked too much yesterday at the rally or something. Hang on, we'll see. Mm. Take a um, uh, what's his name? Water break. Uh, do, 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 do. There we go. So still, yes, still. I, do. I I'm surprised. Well, like I say, hopefully we'll get Brianna checking. Um, soon. I want to talk government inquiry. I didn't get a chance to talk to her last week either, and so uh, I miss our superstar reporter. Hopefully we get her back on here soon. All right, so back to this article. So, so basically what this says is that what everybody's claiming as, as Palestine for Palestinians isn't. <laughs> it's Israel. It always was Israel. It was populated by Jews, and so it is the Jewish homeland, and if the Palestinian the folks that are calling themselves Palestinians, they're really Ottoman Turks. If they want to go live somewhere, there's plenty of land in Egypt and Jordan and Saudi Arabia and all kinds of other Middle Eastern countries. You know, you don't need this tiny little place in Gaza, which is really Israel. All right. I'm sorry, something's wrong with my throat. If I, if I start coughing uncontrollably, please, uh, my apologies now. So there we go. So the population is Jews, almost everyone else Christians, very few Muslims. That's what we're talking about here. In Nazareth, the capital of Galilee, lived approximately 700 people, all Christians. Which makes sense, you know, after Jesus, there'd be a lot more Christians. Hello? It says in Jerusalem, there were about 5,000 people, almost all Jews, and a few Christians. In 1695, everyone knew that the origin of the country was Jewish. Let me say that again, because we seem to have forgotten this for some reason. But in 1695, everyone knew that the origin of the country was Jewish. There is not a single settlement in Palestine that has Arabic roots in its name. Let me say that again. There is not a single settlement in Palestine that has Arabic roots in his name. What does that mean? That means there's no Arabic roots in Palestine. Hello? 
is that most settlements have Jewish originals, uh, and so, in some cases, Greek or Roman, Greek uh, or Roman Latin. Oh, that'd be interesting. So you have like, you know, Sparta <laughs> next to Gaza. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm just having fun. Then it says, apart from the city of Ramia, or Ramla, excuse me, R-A-M-L-A, there is no Arabic settlement that has an original Arabic name. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't throw problems today. Mm. Sorry. It could be the change in the weather. It got really cold tonight. We had a cold front coming through in Florida. So we're not, we're not really good at cold fronts. Anyway, so uh, maybe I should speak a little more quietly. Turn my volume up. Stop shouting. Here we go. I've got a microphone. I should use it. Okay, back to the article. Apart from the city of Ramla, there is no Arab settlement that has an original Arabic name. <coughs> Excuse me. I am so sorry. All right. Hang on. I got I to gotta play something here. Let me, uh, let me do something. I'll be my contact information. I'll be back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we're back. Uh, feeling a lot better here. Yeah, some water. It's a, It's just, I don't know, maybe it's a change in weather. It's something. But, um, you know, in radio, once something gets in your throat, it's just, a, unless I swallowed a bug or something, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just talking here mildly. Way. All right. So back to this, this fascinating uh, article. So here we go. Uh, now we're going to get a bunch of names here that aren't going to make sense because they don't pronounce them properly. It says, apart from the city of Ramla, there is no Arab settlement that has an original Arabic name. Jewish, Greek, or Latin names so that have been changed to Arabic that don't make any sense in Arabic. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, the, the Jewish name. I got the, the rabbi. I was, uh, naming something. That's, uh, here we go. Okay, fine. Anyway, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that with my throat. Sorry, guys. Gre- uh, Jewish, Greek, or Latin names that have been changed to Arabic that don't make any sense in Arabic. That's interesting. Well, actually, it does make that, that makes sense because um, Greek and Latin are, are read from left to right. Arabic is, re- is read from right to left. It's also it's written from right to left. Arabic is written backwards to how we write, uh, you know, in, in um, you know the English speaking world. It's really interesting. And most of most of the languages are, are written left to right, but not Arabic. It's interesting. Anyway, it says in Arabic there is no meaning in names like Akko, Haifa, Jaffa, Nablus, Gaza, or Jenin. It's interesting. So Gaza is not a not a not an Arabic word. Isn't that fascinating? And it says and names like. Uh, 
Ramallah al-Khalil, Khalil, Hebron, or al-Quds, Jerusalem. They do not have philosoph- philological, philological, I have to look that, let's look it up right now. What is philological? Let me find it right down here. Philological. I mean, some kind of map thing. P-H-I-L-O. Philology. Here we go. The branch of knowledge that deals with the structure, historical development, and relationships of a language or languages. Why don't they just say linguistics? (laughs) Make my life easy. Give me words I know. It'll be philological. So they do not have philological or historic Arabic roots. In other words, this isn't Arabic. Okay? Got it? Palestine is not an Arab-Palestinian place. It actually was named, like I understand, it was named, the Romans named it because they were pissed off at the Jews. They didn't want to call the land Israel because that's what the Jews called it. So they called it Palestine to piss them off. <laughs> even though Palestine, even though the, the people that are there now are actually Ottoman Turks. All right. It says, for, back to the article. It says, so for example, in 1696, Ramallah was called Bethel. Bethel, the house of God. Hebron was called Hebron. <laughs> that's good. And the cave of Mahathel. M-A-H-P-E-L, was called El-Khalil, the nickname of Abraham. Hmm. And that was by the Arabs. Rolandi mentions Muslims only as nomadic Bedouins who came to the cities as seasonal workers in agriculture or construction. Oh, they're migrants. <laughs> like, like Mexicans crossing our border to pick lettuce. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, that's, that's kind of fascinating. So the Muslims were, were migrant, uh, migrant workers, seasonal workers. That's funny. Or construction. So they're building things instead of blowing them up. I'm in, I'm in a rare mood today. I'm having way too much fun. This is a serious topic, I know, but this is how I deal with serious topics. All right. So the last part says about 550 people lived in Gaza, half of them Jews and half Christians. Jews were successful in agriculture, especially in vineyards, olives, and wheat. Christians were trading uh, and by transportation. Yeah, Christians do tend to wander a lot. And we build ships. We go places, you know. But uh, Jews had vineyards. Well, I wonder what kind of – would be good – anybody know any good Jewish wines? I'm just curious, you know, I mean, does, I guess Israel does produce wine. I never thought about it. Let's take a look. <laughs> I got time. I, I, I'm completely improvising today because, uh, um, you know, because uh, Brianna isn't calling in for the government inquiry report. I'll find out what happens. Like I say, stuff always happens. People get busy. Stuff going. Let's put uh, uh, Wines of Israel. Let's see what happens. Wines of Israel. I'll get serious later. We got Joseph coming the next day. And then I got Mario Prado, who's a Hollywood producer. Israeli wine is produced by the hundreds of wineries ranging in size from small boutique enterprises to large companies producing over 10 million bottles per year. Who knew? Oh, here we go. The 12 Israeli wines you need to drink to be an expert. I'm never going to be an expert on wine. There's too much to learn. But it's kind of fun, though. The 12 Israeli wines you need to be an expert. Uh, Luaria. What do we got here? There's evidence that wine has been produced in Israel for as long as 10,000 years. Hey, is that uh, you folks advocating uh, for Palestinians? The Israel, Israel's had wine there for 10,000 years. Okay? It's only the past few decades the country's wine has won serious international respect. Who thought I'd be talking about Israeli wine this morning? I mean, this is where the show goes, right? Despite having crucial pieces in, in place for a thriving wine industry, Mediterranean coastline with varied topography, that's different kinds of land, Israeli wine has until recently been more or less synonymous with the, with the kind of ripe, occasionally over-oaked reds that so many emerging wine-producing companies pump out in the beginning. What, like Chianti? Italian wine. It says, today, however, Israel is one of the most exciting, vibrant wine-producing countries in the world. So, guys, Israel's a desert. Israel's a desert. Who thought Israel would be producing wine? Okay, so this, this, is, this is what uh, what do in Israel. So the Jews in Israel take a desert and turn it into a great winemaking capital. 
You know, what, what do the Arabs do in Gaza? They totally destroy the place that the Jews left for them in good shape. Is there, is there any question that Gaza, you know, either is or should be part of Israel like it used to be? None in my mind. Last little paragraph here. About 550 people lived in Gaza, half of them Jews and half Christians. Oh, there's another uh, little blow to the, the, the common, you know, the, to the conventional knowledge. It says Jews were successful in agriculture. Oh, I read that part. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I got, I'm off my wine tangent. Then it says Jews lived in Tiveria and Tisfat, but their occupation is not mentioned except for the traditional fishing in Kinneret. Kinneret? Kinneret. Yeah, we know that uh, early, we're, we're, we're like uh, the apostles, most of them uh, in the fishing biz. And it says in the village of Um El Fam, that would be U-M, E-L-F-A-H-M, for example, lived 10 families, all Christians, about 50 people. There stood a small Maronite church. I'm not sure who the Maronites are. Uh, the book completely refutes theories about Palestinian traditions to the Palestinian people and has almost no link you know, between the land and the Arabs, who even stole the Latin name of the land, Palestine, and took it for themselves. Oh, that's interesting. Palestine is Latin. Palestine is Latin. And, and Arabs and, and other folks are making a claim to a land that the name is Latin. Latin comes from Rome. So this proves what theory that I heard before, that Rome named this area Palestine, which is really Israel. This is fascinating. I, I just find this stuff really interesting. All right. So we're, we're going to keep vamping here. And I, have a, I always have articles just for you know, special occasions like this when I find myself with a free hour. So let's get into an article I haven't read yet, um, which is always more interesting to do on the show than it is to actually just have it happen. You know, I, I don't like reading the articles ahead of time. But Greg, how do you know it's appropriate to the show? I don't. I go by the title, and if it looks good, I'll try it. And if I'm wrong, then I'll tell you. All right. J.D. Rucker, one of my favorite writers, he says, everything about suspected Maine mass murderer Robert Card's suicide feels wrong. Now, if you don't know who Robert Card is, Robert Card is the murderous assassin um, that uh, wrecked havoc in, uh, in Lewiston, Maine. Uh, and everybody's blaming uh, gun owners across the country. <laughs> the, the left is blaming gun owners for something this one person did. Right? That's like blaming car owners for a drunk driver you know, or bank depositors for a bank robber you know, or airline passengers for a terrorist. It's insane, you, you know, it, this, this mentality. But, they, but they'll do anything to get rid of guns, okay? So anyway, so Robert Card says, it takes a lot of strangeness for me to explore the false flag realm. The main mass shootings are strange enough for me to ask questions, okay? And this is what I like, okay? So no, one's, no one else has said a word about this. You know, he died of gunshot wounds. He committed suicide. He's dead. He's gone. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Really? Well, let's, let's take a look at that. That's like saying Tafari Campbell, the, the uh, mysterious death of Obama's chef, uh, we don't have to look at. Well, we're still going to look at it. I think Jessica Rivera is going to come back with, with further reporting on that. Um, that. She's on Mondays, you know, when she's not busy. She gets busy, too. Everybody gets busy. Uh, and so there was uh, – and then what uh, Jessica mentioned the first time she talked about this is that Bill Clinton's chef also drowned. Oh, wait a minute. Is this like a Democrat thing, Democrat president thing to drown your chef? we got two so far. When does it become a serial killing? All right. Well, anyway, here's the article. Hey, Marco. Marcos in the Netherlands. Sorry to get a chance to say goodbye to you yesterday on the show. We, had, we get busy. Oh, he says, uh, I'm in wintertime, so you're early. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you guys, uh, so you guys have a standard time over there too. So we don't change our clocks yet. We change our clocks, which is stupid. We're not supposed to. Florida law says we don't change our clocks anymore, um, which is good except that the, they're waiting for Congress. Well, if you wait for Congress, nothing will happen. You know, actually, this would be a good time to call Matt Gates because we've got a good speaker now in the House. Maybe we can get that, uh, get that accomplished. Why don't we change our clock? I think it's like it's, it's a few more weeks anyway. Sometime in November. 
it gets later and later and it gets earlier and earlier. We turn back again. Pretty soon it won't matter. We're just going to keep uh, changing the date. But uh, um, Marco, what do you think of, of changing your clocks? I mean, to me, it makes no sense at all. Just leave them an hour ahead. Just make that the new standard and, uh, and we're good. Uh, what is our car? I, don't, I don't see our time. It's usually on a, on a Saturday night. I don't see it. I'll let you know what happens, but it's not happening yet. And we've got Veterans Day coming up on the 11th, which they call in Canada Remembrance Day, which used to be for all those. No, Armistice Day. That's what it used to be called. Okay. Marco says, we changed our clocks last weekend. I forgot what happened until I got in my car and noticed the time to be different. It depends. I prefer summertime. Yeah. Most people do, Marco. Most people uh, in the United States uh, want, uh, want to get rid of standard time and leave it on what they call daylight saving. So it's an hour ahead. So you get, you get an hour's more daylight. Why would you turn the clocks back? And people say, oh, the school kids, they have to go to school in the dark. Well, why don't you just set the schools an hour later so it's closer to work so people can drop the kids off and go to work instead of dropping the kids off at 7, going to work at like 8.30 or 9. And it's crazy what we do. Better still homeschool. <laughs> That's another alternative. All right, let me get back to this article here. It says, the body of the man suspected of murdering 18 people and injuring over a dozen others was found by law enforcement Friday night. This is, uh, this is Robert uh, Card, the, the assassin, the murderer of the folks in Lewiston, Maine. It says, but instead of bringing closure, just about every aspect of the story promotes more prompts, more questions, because none of it seems to jive. Let's explore the inconsistencies and odd circumstances being relayed to us as the official narrative. It's, it's like, do we ever get the truth about anything anymore? I don't know. I'm just asking the questions. He says, before, this is J.D. Rucker once again, October 28th. He says, before we begin, it's important to note that I generally do not go down the, quote, false flag or PSYOP, that's P-S-Y-O-P, PSYOP route on mass murder stories. I don't either. Uh, I, I believe that the stories are real because, the, I mean, real people are being killed. What I don't believe is what happens after it. <clears throat> the idea that you have to take guns away from law-abiding people, uh, that you involve the Second Amendment, and that uh, you don't go after the criminals themselves. Um, and that's, you know, and I've said enough about that over the last, you know, several years. You guys get the idea. If you don't, go to the Action Radio gun page. It's all there. Then he says, it's not because I dismiss the possibility of these incidents being manufactured. On the contrary, I'm fairly certain many of them are. But unless a story sticks out like a sore thumb as having deep state connections like the JFK assassination or the Las Vegas mass murders of 2017, I know the chances of us getting close to the truth are practically nil. That's zero for those that uh, don't speak British English. <clears throat> yeah, but it's interesting, the Las Vegas mass murders, the same person that did that was also on, on uh, Maui coordinating the, uh, the emergency response during the, uh, uh, the firestorm that happened there. That in, that in itself is interesting. Anyway, it says, in the case of Robert Card and the main mass murders, I believe the totality of inconsistencies and odd narratives makes it worthy of being questioned, discussed, and independently investigated. Yeah, I've, I think I've already posted this to Jessica, but uh, if I haven't, I'll get it to Jessica Rivera. Because she's brilliant. She'll uh, take a look. At it. And Bonnie Nesbitt, too. They're both brilliant. We'll see what they come up with. It says, body, once, body found in the one place police should have been watching the most. <clears throat> That's interesting. It says, Card's body was found by police around 7.15 Friday night at, a re at the recycling facility where he was recently fired. Well, gee, isn't that interesting? Then it says, there are conflicting reports about whether his body was found in a dumpster or a trailer. Either way, it doesn't, much, uh, doesn't match what we would expect from someone who had just committed a highly visible mass murdering spree before evading police. He says, if he wanted to die near his former employees, one would think he wouldn't crawl into a dumpster or a trailer uh, bed to do it. And if it was a dumpster, as the initial local media report below indicates, this would be the first time I've heard of someone climbing into a dumpster before shooting themselves. That's interesting, too. Then it says, on the other hand, 
uh, it's pretty common for, for bodies of murder victims to be found in dumpsters or hidden in trailers. Yeah, that's after someone else kills them. We've got um, John's on the line, um, John Delmonico. John, if you want to call in, we've got an open hour right now because uh, it looks like Brianna isn't able to make it in. So if you want to uh, talk, call in and talk about this particular article <clears throat> or the inconsistencies with Andrew Card's alleged suicide, then uh, I'm more than happy to put you right on. Anyway, it says, as a general rule, dumpsters, here we go, as a general rule, dumpsters and trailers are not easily confused with one another. He says, even though most corporate media are reporting his body was found in a trailer, it seems more likely that the local news reporter with local connections would have the most accurate report, especially when it's probable that she didn't get the memo from the powers that be, <laughs> yeah, here's the news you're going to report, right, about the, the official trailer narrative. The big question, of course, is why police wouldn't be staking out the place that Card may have hated the most. In other words, the place he was just fired from. That makes the most sense to me. Most people, you know, if they're going to do something horrible, they do it to uh, their, their, their fellow employees after being fired. That's a pretty – I don't think people realize what it's like to, to be fired and, and how it can really uh, – especially you have bills to pay, family to support, things like that. It can amazingly screw up your life. Uh, I've been fired a few times. Okay, that's how I ended up here on, on Block Talk Radio. Was that I was fired uh, for, for, and I wasn't doing anything wrong in my job. In fact, I was doing everything right. We were building an audience. We were doing great things. We made broadcast history. You would think that any employer worth anything would have rewarded that. Nah, new owners. What can I say? They didn't like what I was doing, but uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't. It wasn't my choice to work for them. Uh, they just came and bought the station, and uh, you know, you know the rest of the story. And, and now the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, mm, continuing on. Then it says two gunshot wounds to the head. Two gunshot wounds to the head. How many people shoot themselves twice in a suicide? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, it's like the 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 you know the Seth Rich, you know three three shots in the back, you know, and it was it was a robbery. <laughs> really, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, the Clinton suicides are notorious for for being uh, killed three or four times in the course of your suicide. So it says the first bit of news is not always the most accurate, but it's hard to imagine someone miscounting the number of wounds to a suspect's head. That seems to be the case you know, with a report from the Daily Mail, that's the British uh, newspaper, yesterday that initially indicated two gunshot wounds to the head before the story was revised down to one. Because somebody said, oh, wait a minute, you can't have two gunshots in a suicide. <laughs> You're just right, okay? And how do you, what do people shoot? I don't know. This would be a good question for John, too, if he's able to call in. How many people commit suicide by shooting themselves in the back of the head? Temple? Mouth? Under the chin? Sure. Back of the head? How many people shoot themselves where they can't see? You know, what if, what if you miss? What if you just, you know, do something really horrible and you don't kill yourself? I mean, I wonder if the greatest worry, uh, one of those worries that people are committing suicide is that they do it wrong. I mean, think about it. You could end up, you know, a vegetable. Uh, or, or horrible things. So first of all, don't do it, obviously. You know, as I say, you get to write the chapters of your life, not the ending. Anyway, um, he says, as some have rightly noted, it's possible that a self-inflicted gunshot could create both an entry and exit wound. Higher caliber bullets at point-blank range can cause extreme damage, making it challenging to determine the sources of wounds without thorough examinations by the coroner. Still, the obvious implication here is that if there were two gunshot wounds to the head, it would be very difficult for the powers that be to sell the suicide narrative. Okay, so there's John. Glad he called in. Because um, John, John's police officer, I'm sure he's in. Well, let's, let's find out. Um, here, okay, it's line's left. Hey, John, were you ever uh, a homicide detective, or did you do, or do forensic work or collect evidence or anything like that? And uh, what do you think of this story, the Andrew Card story? I'm not a homicide detective, but I did work CSI for a number of years. Okay. Yeah. And you ever see, a two, um, ever see I, two shots to the back of the head in a suicide? 
No. Generally speaking, I don't think I've ever seen a suicide with a shot to the back of the head. Well, and my contention is, why would someone shoot themselves where they can't see? I mean, how do you, I'm just trying to imagine, I'm, I'm like twisting my arms right now, putting it behind my head. I can't get my hands behind my head. Not to guarantee right. that well, I would. Well, it doesn't make sense. Nobody, it, there's <laughs> easier ways and more effective ways to do it. I mean, yeah. that's just a fact. Um, I, I'd let some of this play out mm-hmm. as far as, you know, some of the fog of war, so to speak, and the reporting and the initial reports that come out. A lot of it's misinformation, um, probably just bad information mistakes. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to kind of wait to see if we even get the information. That's going to be part of the problem as well. Is hmm. A lot of these things where these initial reports come out, even if they're false, we don't get a complete picture. Right? Uh, Chauvinal was a good example. You know, mm-hmm. he, the victim didn't die from asphyxiation. He died from a drug overdose. But that didn't come out until very, 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 very far later on after he was well, recently. murdered. There's a resurgence right. of evidence. Now, why now? Why is it coming out now that uh, George Floyd died of a drug overdose? And what's that going to mean for Derek Chauvin? Is he going to get a new trial? Is he going to get a whole bunch of money? Is he going to sue these people? What, 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 uh, what might happen to him? Well, it, it depends on how it came out. It depends on what happened in the trial. I didn't watch the trial closely enough to, under, to see if that information ever came out. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to see if it was uh, withheld by the DA or if they didn't mm-hmm. have access to it. Uh, some of that has to play out in court. He may get it overturned entirely. He may get a new trial. It's really going to depend on what happens there. Uh, I, I mm. could see a scenario where if this wasn't brought to light during the trial, if it wasn't introduced at the time, uh, it could go one of two ways. If defense attorneys never objected to it in court, they don't have standing for an appeal. But if they did object to not having any evidence or not being presented, then the Superior Court or Supreme Court or the Appeals Court, however they do it there, um, could either say it's immaterial and it doesn't matter and you're still getting a conviction, or they can mm-hmm. send it back. You know, it, it's going to depend. Well, you know, if the defense attorneys didn't do this, if they didn't bring up the Carnes report, if they didn't read it or they didn't uh, introduce it, then, then that, that's not an adequate defense. Then Chauvin can claim he got, uh, uh, I forgot what the exact terminology, incompetent defense or something like that, but whatever. It is. He didn't get a defense. If they didn't bring that out. I mean, the, the coroner's report yeah. is, I guess they call it exculpatory, right? In other words, the coroner's report saying that the, the Derek Chauvin did absolutely no damage to his neck, that George Floyd had no injuries whatsoever to his breathing, or, or in no way was his breathing uh, incapacitated. I mean, that's, that's, that's exculpatory. That's, that's it. That's your, that's your uh, there's no evidence. There's no evidence of a crime. You can't charge somebody with a crime, and there's no evidence that they touched his neck and, and restricted his breathing in any way. That, that case should have been thrown out of court. It should never even gone to court. Well, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think it warranted a murder charge regardless. There was no intent there to, to actually murder him at all. But yeah. the the incompetent defense argument is doesn't happen very often. Okay. Right. So it's, it's really going to depend. I, I would be surprised if they didn't bring it up. There's a good chance that it was brought up during trial. Nobody covered it because they didn't want to. So we never heard about it. Oh, that could be. And Well, we heard about it a little bit during the trial. I remember hearing a little bit during the trial. This is what I always said. I always started wondering. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean he, died? he had fentanyl in his system? That would have killed him. And you start putting two and two together. And, and you think that uh, there was enough doubt in my mind that there was more to this. It wasn't, it wasn't a murder. I never thought it was a murder. Uh, at worst, it was, it was a negligent homicide. You know, not even manslaughter, but uh, just, neg- just, you know, he was trying to do his job and he just got a little enthusiastic and, you know, it wasn't intent there, but he screwed up. So he made a mistake. That's still a crime, 
but it's not severe. It's nowhere near as severe a crime as murder. Um, so that's that's what no. it looked like at the, at the worst. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's I agree, but I think that yeah. they could not. Um, I think that because they controlled the, the narrative and they controlled the mm-hmm. media coverage, there's a good chance that it was brought up and we just never heard about it, or we heard a little bit about it, but then they glossed over it because it was a bigger issue. But if it was covered in media, if the if the, if the trial was was videoed, then somebody, millions of people, would have seen that. Why wouldn't the defense play that up? No, I, I agree, but I don't think they did a good job of actually controlling the narrative or even putting a narrative out there. They were they were on literally the defense from day one. Well, well, the, no, well, they were they were in a, in a fixed trial. They had to find them guilty, so they didn't have riots. I mean, that that was the standard of justice. Got to find guilty, so you don't have riots. He's white. You know, George Floyd is black, uh, therefore the verdict is is, is already in. Um, let's talk about Maine again, because Maine's interesting. Now, this is the first crime by a middle-aged white guy that I have not seen characterized as white supremacist, white nationalist, racist. Is that because all the victims are white? Because it's Maine, and there aren't a lot of uh, you know black or Hispanic or Asian folks up there because it's like freezing cold. I mean, Lewiston's up there. Lewiston's way up near the Canadian border. So have you noticed yeah, the lack of, you know, no one's calling this a white anything. And yet well, they got a white guy on the that. screen. So in the yeah. initial reports, they said he was a Trump follower and they said he was conservative. Um, oh. So there hasn't been a lot of it past that. But the initial report, they did, they did mention that. They did start to label that. Absolutely. Huh. Okay, because I haven't seen that. I haven't followed this as closely. Let me ask you a little different question. Uh, in terms of coverage, when you've you know visited a crime scene or you're collecting evidence, uh, doing, well, we should. I, in fact, I'd love to talk to you just about CSI stuff. Uh, are the reporters somewhat accurate? Are they hopeless? Do they try and do a good job and they just don't care? What, what, what kind of reporting do you see based on on crime scenes of things you've investigated? Where does it stand? Reporting as far as uh, police reporting or, or the media? Well, in other words, the crime's committed. You're like one of the yes. officers on the scene, or you come later to collect you know, evidence for CSI. Um, and you get reports on the story, because whatever it is is a big story. It's a big crime. How, how, how good or bad are, is the reporting of, of most of the crime incidents you've seen? Is it hopeless? Do they try to be accurate? Are they pretty good? Do they sometimes get it wrong? Do they always get it wrong? Where, what, what's the standard that you see of reporting of crime? Oh, the uh, the standard now, it's, it's always fully in support of whatever narrative they're pushing at the time. Oh, okay. Generally, it's always wrong. It, or it's always wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I think that, like I said in the beginning, if you let some of this play out over time, we might get some of the information. We might not get mm-hmm. any of it. Uh, Vegas was a good example. We have actually the total information blackout on that Vegas guy who, mm-hmm. who shot up everybody, and mm-hmm. nobody's talking about that. Nobody's well, let's talk about it. What do you know covering about it. it. What do you know about Nothing. It? That's What's... the problem. Nothing. Oh. Nobody knows anything. And why is there a blackout? No, one. no one's asking the questions. Uh, well, the conspiracy theories are all over the place, right? Either they let it happen, either it was an informant they lost control of. There's all number of things. There's multiple shooters, multiple locations. It was a terrorist attack. The rumors are all over the place. But there are zero facts. There's zero background on that guy. There's zero footage. You've got to look at Las Vegas in terms of that's probably the most surveilled city in the world. Vegas? We're under surveillance. I would think Jerusalem would oh, be. Oh, sure. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's just Well, me. clearly not, right? But Vegas, you're, you're on camera. They can track you from the minute you get off the airplane to the minute you get back really? off. Really? With facial recognition? Sure. It, with everything. Look at the casinos. Why? Just the casinos Why Vegas? Alone. Okay. Oh, because there's so much money involved, and it's, it's a massive enterprise. 
Are they worried about terrorism? So they, or are they worried about card counters? or, or who, No, who they're worried, worried about, about cheating and card counters and theft and all of the things that go along with But they're not law enforcement the casinos. So are they working with the police directly or what? They have tap into the facial recognition or do they have their own? Have they paid for their own surveillance? Oh, the, the uh, casinos? Casinos are on. Yeah. They, they work with law enforcement, but they have their own surveillance, their own systems. Probably the best. Well, you can get uh, private. You can get private uh, facial recognition technology and just do it yourself, like a company can. Yeah, absolutely. Walmart does it. Walmart does it. Yeah, as far this as is really interesting. <laughs> I'm just like I say, we had a free hour, so I'm kind of experimenting with different topics here. I had no <laughs> idea. So if I walk in and wave oh, yeah, at Walmart absolutely. and go, "Hey, Action Radio, it's me, Greg Penglos," <laughs> you know, I can, I can I can get some publicity. Sure. Yeah, there's, well, there's plenty of companies and software and things out there that'll allow that to happen. Absolutely. Huh. Are they tracking concealed carry holders? Is there technology that can see you legally concealing, which I mean, I carry all the time, right? Uh, but I carry concealed in Florida until we can carry open. But do, do stores have technology where they're tracking people that are concealed carrying guns, for example? That I don't know. I would doubt it. Okay. That I don't know for sure. I doubt it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because Walmart puts stickers on the stores here, you know, it says, we, we appreciate you not carrying your firearms openly. Well, we can't anyway, because it's, it's Florida. We don't have that uh, that ability yet. We're still having our, our rights uh, really restricted. But uh, I'm just wondering. So they have facial recognition, and they have, uh, you know, I'm, it wouldn't be like a metal, it'd be like a, like a surreptitious metal detector. Like a gun would have so much metal in it. Even Glocks have, you know, slides and barrels and things that are they're metal. Otherwise, they wouldn't work. Um, but I'm just wondering if, if the, are their metal detectors so small that nobody sees them? Do they just register large amounts of metal on a person? Not at a civilian level. I'm sure they have it at a government level, but not on a not a civilian level. No, okay. it wouldn't be practical. Right. I mean, it's not. It would be prohibitive price wise, and it wouldn't be as practical. And there wouldn't huh. be a large point. I mean, especially so. Look at Walmart. I mean, really, if, if Walmart had 50% of their customers carrying concealed, there wouldn't be any practicality behind it. That's probably the case around here. <laughs> At least, yeah, this, is, this is the Panhandle of Florida. Everybody's scared. We're, we're like Texas, you know, and so uh, I would imagine this this would not be a good place. Um, not that any place is, but I'm just saying that I think uh, I think it's kind of known, like Kennesaw, Georgia, where they I don't know if they still have the law in the books so that you're required uh, to carry a firearm. Well, let's talk about this case in, in Maine. What do you what do you know about it so far from a law enforcement perspective? What what do you see? What's going on here? It's um, an interesting case it, from a couple of perspectives. One, just from an actual uh, bad guy, active shooter perspective of mm-hmm. the evolution, how the people are getting better at it. Uh, this guy's a good example. He, he hit a location in a small, relatively small town, did a lot of damage, and then he got in his car and drove 30 miles away to hit another location. That's this is, this is interesting, this multiple location phenomena. Usually we've seen one person at one place, um, and they get killed or they kill themselves at the original scene. But this guy went to two different places. And, and one of them was the, the, the bowling alley was, I understand it, you know, a gun-free victim zone, right? Where they have big signs on the door, don't bring your guns in here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that one's for sure because uh, the sign right. was on the door. The, uh, the bar I'm not sure about. Uh, there's conflicting reports. Uh, one says that in uh, Maine you can carry concealed inside a bar, and mm-hmm. one says you can't. I haven't had a chance to look up the actual law to verify it. Um, either way, though, yes. if you look mm-hmm. at it in terms of resources, right. 
if you're you're in an environment, especially a smaller town, but even a big city, mm-hmm. if you were to hit, let's say, Costco, mm-hmm. you show up at Costco, everyone responds to that area. So you have all of your emergency services tied up there. Mm-hmm. You drive to another location 10 miles away and do another shooting at a Walmart. Their limited resources aren't going to be able to cope with that. Right, because they're already so – what if you do a third extra, location? Yeah. Right. So here, here's the thing. So we'll go back to talk about Israel. Uh, the fear here, I think, is going to be if we have a legitimate terrorist attack, they've evolved to the point where they will take a two, three-man team, put three or four of them out in a geographical area, and hit four places at the same time. Four places at the same time, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and and if you do that within 30 miles of each other, there's mm-hmm. no way that law enforcement right. can respond to that. So they may respond to the first one. They may even get two out of that. But yeah. then it's going to be free reign like it was in Israel for hours before you can get out. Well, let's ask the nasty question. I've got an article here talking about a potential stand-down order. This was like Pearl Harbor, where I believe FDR knew Pearl Harbor was going to be attacked. Let it happen to get us in the war uh, so that he could aid Churchill and we could go to war against Germany. Because Germany, you know, we could have stopped, uh, in terms of war with Germany, you know, if we just stopped the U-boats from blocking our convoys to England, we could have put all our Navy in the Atlantic. You know, and, uh, and or, or kept the Navy in the Pacific, we could have headed off the carrier task force, you know, and, and either um, before the planes launched, sunk them, <laughs> had a big battle, had, had the battle of Midway at Midway before Pearl Harbor. You know, there's a lot of things we could have done uh, because I think we broke the Japanese code, but I think it was more advantageous to Roosevelt that wanted a pretense to get us into World War II. That's why he let Pearl Harbor happen. I think the, the government wanted, I don't think they did 9-11, but I think they used 9-11 to bring about the Patriot Act, they just were waiting for an opportunity to, you know, bring that out from the top drawer of the desk and say, okay, now's our chance, you know, and then go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan for, for 30 years. You know, it's just like they use these things. I mean, most of our wars have started over some kind of pretense. And I mean, we've gone over this on the show before. The, the, uh, the Greer was the destroyer destroyed in the Gulf of Tonkin, which got us uh, escalated in Vietnam. The main, the battleship was destor- destroyed in Havana Harbor. That got us in the Spanish-American War. The Lusitania had a bunch of Americans on board. got us in War One. I mean, it, it, usually it's like some big calamity. If something's attacked or our ship is sunk, um, that's used as a pretense to get us involved in things. How we got off on this tangent? <laughs> you know, kind of interesting. Anyway. Well, it's, it's pertinent to the fact that this guy was on everybody's radar and nobody did anything. Okay, let's talk about that. So in terms of, of constitutional rights, now, in a, in a communist society, it's easy. If, if you suspect by something of somebody uh, that they might do something, you just take them against the wall and shoot them. And that's how they handle it in a lot of countries. Crime's very low because no one's going to do anything. You know, they're not even gonna, they don't even want to be suspected of crime, but they don't have a free society. Now, in a free society, you, you don't go after people until they've done something. Because you don't persecute the honest people, the law-abiding people. You know? And so it's a very different standard. People are well, gee, we have to be able to prevent crime. Well, actually, in a free society, the, you know, th- that's not the government's job to prevent crime. It's our job. <laughs> we prevent crime. You know, we lock things. <laughs> we carry guns. You know, we, uh, we have surveillance cameras. A lot of ways we can protect ourselves from crime. Uh, martial arts, who knows? You know? um, but, uh, but the idea that the government, it's the government responsibility to stop crime. Well, if it's the government's responsibility to stop crime, they're going to stop crime with everybody they even suspect that might commit a crime. And then nobody has rights. And people, there's like this disconnect. They don't see that. They want the government to stop the crime because they want everything to be good. But they don't see that it, it, the only way the government can do that is to arrest a whole bunch of people that have never committed a crime and never will and make them victims. John. Yeah. 
but I, I think we're talking a little bit different with this, this set of circumstances. So two things. One is if you enforce the laws that are on the books, we don't need more. So we don't need an additional gun grab. We don't need additional laws that they think may or may not have helped the situation. There were laws on the books that would have solved this problem mm-hmm. before it became a problem, which they failed to do. Right. So if you okay. look at it in terms of one, he he obviously had some mental problems by all accounts. Well, everybody Two, he does also these, made, these kind of things. Yeah, you know, they say, well, he, he might have had mental problems. Well, of course he did. Nobody, nobody who well, you don't do this if you're normal. <laughs> Normally, same people don't go in places and shoot and kill large numbers of people. They just don't do it. So something. Fair enough. Uh, but people, it's a given, people who yeah. are angry, people who uh-huh. are angry at uh, losing a football game, are different than people who are hearing voices telling them they should shoot up a certain location. Yes. True. Right. So I mean, we're, we're looking at a different level of that. So that's mm-hmm. that's one thing. But also. Um, he made very clear threats to a military base. That technically oh. is a crime. It's called making terrorist threats. He said he was going to threaten to shoot up a base, and that, that's what led to the initial evaluation along, along with some other factors. Right? Mm-hmm. So had they done two things. One is he got evaluated, so had they followed their own laws, their yellow flag laws, there was the opportunity to have him involuntarily committed as well as right warrants and right um, seizure orders based on their laws to at least temporarily deny him access to his firearms while he mm-hmm. was being evaluated. Mm-hmm. That's black, that was on their books. The second part of that, though, is let's assume that they tried that and it failed. He still made terrorist threats, is what they call them, mm-hmm. to shoot up a military base, which is a state crime, and I think there's a federal statute as well for that because you're talking about military base. So had yeah, military is federal. I'd be surprised if there wasn't, yeah. Right. So had they booked him, charged him, again, wrote the search warrants to seize his firearms at the time, it doesn't mean it wouldn't have happened in the future at some point, but there might have been a cooling off period. There might have been a period where he could have got the help that he needed to Mm -hmm. overcome whatever demons he had going on in his head. Does that make Hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it comes to this, it wouldn't be preemptive. That's not a preemptive strike. That's right. not saying, well, I think this guy's going to do it, so we're going to take everything away from him. That's mm-hmm. legitimate. Hey, this guy has already made threats. He has the capability of carrying out those threats, and it's a legitimate threat because he can do it. So there's there's back to that AOJ triangle that we spoke of right. before. Yeah, sorry to get the other day. We, we were, we were, it was yesterday. We were heavily into a discussion, so I, I couldn't work that back in, but yeah. Yeah, no, no worries. But, um, so he had all three, mm-hmm. right? So you had all three elements you needed to actually enforce the laws that were on the books to prevent this from happening. And we see this over and over and over again with nearly all of these shooters where they've failed to enforce the laws that are on the books, failed to enforce the policies, failed to even get these people help, not to mention even failed to monitor them at that point. What I have a hard time believing is this guy being in the military, reservist, Mm -hmm. having the access and the training that he has, having the guns that he had, having the threats on the books from multiple sources that he made that no one had eyes on him. Yeah. No one was paying attention. No one was watching what he was doing. So why is that? They just don't believe it'll happen. It's just too much work. It's denial. They don't care. They never think it'll happen in Lewiston, Maine. What's going on? That's hard to say. Either okay. someone dropped the ball entirely mm-hmm. or they allowed it to happen. That's they the allowed it to happen. For me. So now, it, explain they allowed you, it, it to happen. You can't – well, you can't have this, this type of scenario 
in front of you and then not see the consequences, not see what the ultimate problem is going to be. Okay. Right. So I just laid out the entire set of circumstances briefly. Right. Any sane person would look at that and say, this isn't okay. This guy's going to kill somebody. We need to at least be watching him or monitoring him or getting him help. Mm-hmm. And nobody did. No, and I have no problem. You know, the minute he made that first post or the first threat uh, to do something. So that to me is like a confession. You know, that's intent. So I have no problem investigating people. Uh, and it really has to go for the person, not the guns. If they're just seizing guns. In other words, if they routinely seize guns on a restraining order, or it could be a completely bogus restraining order. Those things happen or a false accusation. Uh, people make uh, false accusations all the time. And, but a lot, and other people lose guns because of it. So that's what I'm really objecting to. But if someone can, you know, makes a, a post, a, a threat, or, or even, a, you know, especially even a series of threats, multiple threats, that to me is, is like a confession. So due process would, would say that you've, you've put yourself out there. You've made the threat. You've made the intent. You've shown what you're going to do. That's, you know, all the reason in the world. But you go after the person. It's not the guns necessarily you seize. You may take the person into custody or observation for 72 hours or whatever the, whatever the law is in the state. That makes perfect sense to me. Don't have a problem. Because, you know, if you take a person who's never made any threat at all, they're going about their business, and you just, you know, and did they get like a restraining order or some kind of thing happen, and then their guns are automatically taken. That's wrong. But the minute someone makes that, that first statement, posts that first thing on, on, on social media, I want to do you know, X, now you're fair game. Now you don't have any sympathy from me because you made the threat. And so that's where I draw the line. Because once you've made that threat, no. you've crossed that line. You're not an innocent bystander anymore. You're not a civilian. You're not just somebody, I mean, a civilian, but I mean, you're not, you're not just a person going about the business exercising the rights. You've crossed the line and can be investigated. Make sense? No, I, I agree. And I think that's yeah. the, I, I think part of the problem is it's a um, misapplication of the law. Most of those laws are written in such a way, like the yellow flag law in Maine is a good example. It's written in such a way that if you, feel that person is a danger to themselves or others, you take them to a qualified mental health practitioner who evaluates them. If in their evaluation, they're a danger to themselves or other, and they pose a potential threat, then you can approach a judge with a warrant who has to approve it based on those facts to go and seize those weapons. And then it's only temporary until the person gets out of its treatment, and then they get to get them, either have them back automatically, or they go through the hearing process to, to, to re-get, to re- acquire the property. How does that work in practice? Do people, if they're adjudicated for observation, they go through a psychological evaluation, everything's fine. It's like, yeah, they had a bad day. They got, so let's just say like this case of Andrew Carr, they got fired from the job. They're really upset. They said a couple of things they shouldn't have said. You know, they're calm two weeks later. Life is good. Uh, realistically or in practice, do they generally get their firearms back and life goes on? Or once you're That's marked? I, I, I don't you know, know the data on that. I, I would no. imagine it's probably an uphill battle but I don't, I don't have any data on that, so I don't know that for sure. Um, so that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, I, was, I was listening a little bit yesterday about your, uh, your theory on the Second Amendment, how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think? Can you go over that one more time? Yeah, of course I can. You, you, were, you were fleshing out an idea, and, and I had some Happy thoughts on to. it, but I wanted to hear it again. Okay, so the, the way uh, – I'll break it into two things very simple, and this is what everybody has to keep in mind. Constitutions limit – government. Laws limit people. 
And so people get confused when they say we have to limit a person's Second Amendment rights with reasonable restrictions, or as the court would say, strict scrutiny, you know, with the least restrictive test possible. That's all BS. None of that is constitutional. All right. So the way it works is the Constitution is the supreme law of the land where the federal government has jurisdiction. Okay. Now, the Bill of Rights, the states gave the, the Bill of Rights to the Constitution, which means the federal government has jurisdiction. One of those amendments is the Second Amendment, which says that the government cannot infringe on your right to keep and bear. In other words, they cannot touch your ability to own and carry guns. They can't. That is an absolute. That is an absolute prohibition. All rights in the Bill of Rights are absolutes. They don't say partially, may, shall. They don't say, you know, a little bit. None of that language is there. So this is the first reason that all rights are absolute is because that's the way they're written. Well, well let, me, let me back up a little bit. Um, as far as the Constitution says, the prohibitions on government are absolute. Rights themselves are absolute, too, because our, our, our rights, our rights as human beings come from God. It's our birthright. God does not give partial rights. Okay? So you can only do a little bit. Okay? So your freedom, your freedom of speech, your freedom of movement, your freedom to travel, your freedom to live as you want, your freedom to, uh, to uh, arm and defend yourself, all these basic freedoms – Freedom to acquire property, all these, the, the basic rights, the things that define being a human being as free, the rights that we're born with that make us human, those rights are absolute because God is absolute. So because God is absolute, the rights that we have are absolute. Now, does that mean we can do anything we want? No, because what is a right? A right is something that the government can't touch. So because the government can't touch it, you know, all these reasonable, all this other BS is nonsense. It doesn't exist. So if laws limit people and the Constitution limits government, then when the, the Constitution, when the Second Amendment says, you know, the right of the people, you know, uh, well, it actually says something else, too. It's interesting. Um, a well-regulated militia is necessary, necessary for the security of a free state. Well, let me ask you a question. When they say a free state, is that a, a geographical state like South Carolina or is it a conditional state like hunger, cold, things like that? So is freedom a state, in other words, a state of being? Or is it a geographical state like Nebraska? Constitution. I think it's say. a state of being. Okay. I so in other words, it's you... a state of being. Interesting. Tell me why. Uh, because well, freedom is a state of being. So it's, it, a free state would be anything, it, a God-given right. Mm -hmm. Right. That that's a free state. So I wouldn't necessarily think it's a geographical area. It's mm -hmm. Just based on the fact that why would it, why would they say a free state like Minnesota? Right. Yeah. I think they they applied all of these rights in a natural sense that we were they were God given rights to all of us, and freedom is a free a state of your being, a state of your existence. It could say condition. What if it said a well regulated militia? Well, right. We know regulated doesn't mean government controlled. It means well equipped, right? In in 1700s yes. language. So the British yes. regulars, the regular infantry, they were called regulars. They weren't called infantry. And so regulars had to be well-regulated, to be a regular, you had to have regular equipment. You had to have musket, you had to have powder, you had to have ball, you had to have, uh, you know, some kind of, you know, either a flint, you know, or percussion caps, whatever. So that's to be, and you were regulated. You were properly regulated. You were outfit, you were ready for war. So a militia has to be at least as well-equipped as the army to be regulated, to be well-regulated, right? Yeah, it should be better equipped. Well, I think I, I agree with you. Yeah. And that's that's where we get defense equality, which actually should be better. Yeah. But let's just let's go with the Constitution says. So well-regulated militia. Let's just rephrase it a little bit. A well-equipped citizen military uh, is necessary 
for a free condition. Same word, same, same meaning, different words. Sure. So if it was a free condition rather than a free state, right, yeah. it still means the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But, but freedom is an absolute. You're either free or you're not. You can't be partially free. You can't be a little bit free. Right. Right. Okay. So if freedom is an absolute, if God is absolute, if our rights are absolute, then how can you limit the government? And what, how can you say that a, a government prohibition is somehow, you know, able to be limited? It can't. And that's why our rights are absolute. So what I'm really forming is, is a stronger argument for why rights are absolute. Because a right, if, it, if it's not absolute, it doesn't exist. Because the minute it's, it's infringed upon, it becomes a government privilege or a regulated privilege. And that's not a right anymore. But, and here's where I draw the next line. So the next big line is action. So the right restricts government. The Second Amendment does not give us the right to own and carry firearms. We already have that. We were born with that right. We were born with a natural right to defend ourselves and carry the weapon to do it. That's our natural right. The right that is in the Constitution is a prohibition on government. So the government cannot touch our natural right to own and carry guns and defend ourselves. So if the government cannot touch that in any way, that is an absolute. Now, does that mean you can do anything you want with your firearms? Hell no. That would be stupid. That would be irrational. So we take statutory laws to limit people. Remember, laws limit people. Constitutions limit government. So we're already taking care of the government. Second Amendment takes care of the government. You cannot touch in any way the people's right to own and carry firearms. Bingo. Absolute. Can't touch. That's what it says. So the law regulates what you do with your firearms. The minute you touch that firearm, the minute you have an intent to use it, the minute, and you can draw the line as law enforcement, you know, where you, you know, that, that's a, a discussion. But once you act with a firearm, if you act in self-defense, that's legal. If you carjack, that's not legal. Those are both actions with a gun. And this is the reason that an action with a gun will never be a right, because it can never be absolute. You can't include bank robbery with uh, collecting. Or, or, you know, extortion with, uh, you know, target shooting. <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, kidnapping with uh, gunsmithing, you know. So there are legal and illegal uses of firearms. So use is statutory. Now, gun control laws are statutory. They're not amending the Constitution to do this. Well, if gun control laws are statutory and gun control laws infringe in any way upon the right to own and carry, because the Second Amendment automatically makes them moot, right? Because laws have to limit actions and laws limit people. But if laws limit people before they've even done anything, that's called prior restraint. So licenses, concealed carry things, limits on magazines, barrel lengths, uh, restrictions on where you can carry, how you can carry, all these things, all, everything to do with gun control, how many guns you can own, background checks, waiting periods, all the stuff that they put on us, none of that is legal. The Second Amendment prohibits it completely and absolutely. So gun control, because it is statutory, is under and subordinate to the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment makes all gun control, all gun control, automatically, categorically unconstitutional. How am I doing? You still there? <laughs> Hello, John. Where'd he go? He must have to mute himself or something like that. Make sure I didn't mute myself. Gee, I was on a roll there, too. Hi there. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm here. Where'd yeah. you go? Did you miss my argument? I don't know. Oh. No, I, I heard you. I, you couldn't hear me. Um, you're doing great. Now I, I, just, now I can uh, hear you. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's weird. When I, when I give a speech like that, I have to check myself. Did I mute myself and not know? <laughs> Inside the bar. <laughs> feelings, yeah. so that's a, but, but does that make sense? The, the division of constitution limits government, 
laws limit people. Rights come from God, and they're absolute. Constitutions, yeah. constitutional rights, the Bill of Rights, are also absolute prohibitions. So as much as our natural rights are absolute from God, the rights are just as absolute in prohibitions on government. And once you understand that, everything else makes sense. And you can argue it from that point. And then you can break it down into constitution versus statutory law, uses of guns versus a right. A right is what you can do that the government cannot touch. The government cannot touch owning and carrying. They can't. But as far as using, that's statutory law. Otherwise, if, if, if gun use was a right, then bank robbery would be a, would be a, a right. Nobody has a natural right to rob banks. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be irrational. So there's so my I, argument. I think, that's where I, I think that's where the argument breaks down a little for me. I don't think they can regulate what? the use of a gun. I think they can no, they regulate oh. the action. They can regulate the action associated with whatever tool you happen to be using at the time. So that's where you look at um, like firearm enhancements. I think are unconstitutional. So uh, federally, if you use a firearm, you can get an, an extra 20 years tacked onto your sentence in some places. Uh, federally, because you used a firearm during the commission of a crime. Well, that's different. That's that's criminal code. Yeah, that's not that's not part of my argument. I haven't I haven't uh, thought that you might want to add to my argument. Right. No, that's what I'm saying story. is when you, when you say they regulate the use of a firearm, they can't mm-hmm. really regulate the use of the firearm. Well, not regulate the – all right. They let's, should, uh, let's, let's call it declaring you know, uses as either legal or illegal. So, yeah, but I, I think that it's, it's the action base. So if, if um, I were to rob you, rob you with a knife, it's right. an illegal use of a knife. Absolutely. Right? They, can't regu- they can't regulate steak knives. Well, they can. I guess you could try but, well, no, if you, if you commit a crime with a steak knife, it then becomes a, the weapon in the crime. And I got Josie here. I want to bring her on in a second. But, but so does the gun. That's my point. Right. So it's just no, I see what you're saying. It's a good you point. You can't regulate the use of the tool. And that, I think that's where I'd have to flesh it out a little more. But it, yeah, it struck we're, we're me talking about a Friday. conversation yesterday. Yeah, right. no, think about it. Well, these arguments, my arguments are always evolving. This argument on guns has been evolving for years. And I keep refining it and I keep sharpening it. But I, I think I've really got it down to the point now where, is, you know, if I had to make the simple declaratory statements, and Jesse, you can comment on these in a second too. Simple declaratory statements. Um, God is absolute. The, God, the rights that God gives us are absolute. Those are called natural rights. Constitutions are written to limit government. Laws are written to limit people. Yep. Rights in the Constitution are absolute prohibitions on government. And therefore, the government cannot make laws that control us in that way if it's so already not, prohibited in the Constitution. Well, I'll think about it. I've got to write these down in like really straightforward statements. Yeah. And, and we put that in the context of, let's say, free speech. Is the government can't limit your free speech. They can't regulate your free speech. So why can they regulate the use of the firearm when they cannot regulate the use of your tongue? No, they can't. But what they can do, no, they're libel laws, slander laws, and threatening public officials. But that's once you've spoken. See, it's different. I've I, I got to hold you up. I have that's a, I that's not now. the government. Uh, that's civil. That's not criminal. Well, civil is government, too, because you have civil court and criminal no. court. Hang on. Do, hang on with that. Let's, let's pick it up. We, hang on for a second. Let me get Josie started here on her report, and then we'll see if she no, wants okay. to continue this or, or to, uh, to – I'm sure she has topics. Don't go away. You know, we're just getting started here. No. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossie knows all about both worlds. 
communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Coffey. Buenos dias, chica. Hey, good morning. How are you? Buenos Not a great dias. time. Yeah, lots of fun. <laughs> we, we missed Brianna this morning, so I, I hope nothing happened to her, but she wasn't able to uh, call in. So, uh, so your report. Okay, and who's this yeah. gentleman? I heard a little bit, but not much. So John DeMonico uh, owns the Women's Firearm Academy. He's one of our two new gun reporters. We've got Candy Pettacord and John DeMonico, and oh, okay. they take the 8 a.m. hour on Friday, and they overlap and chat and have a great time. I might put both of you guys on for the same hour. I don't know. I'm, I'm still working with this, gotcha. but we can talk about that off the air. But that's John. John's our new uh, one of our new gun reporters on Friday. So John, meet Josie, mm-hmm. Josie, John. Okay. Shake hands, come out Friday. Hello. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I don't know. I got you. Good morning. Yeah. yeah morning. So you like my such an amendment. You, you like my gun argument? Does that make sense? Yeah, I heard a little bit only, like I said. Yeah. Okay. But I stand with the Second Amendment in this corrupt criminal Democrat communist government wants to take our guns away. You know. Well, so the problem is much better than letting them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's coming? What do we we haven't heard much about Ukraine lately? It seems to have taken a a back seat. Um, anything going on there that uh, oh, you yeah. have to report? Okay, what's going on? Not on the Ukraine. They're not talking much about it anymore. Uh, but since you mentioned the Ukraine, um, I was listening to a video uh, that the reason Romania is sending troops to uh, the border with Russia is because. Um, of all the bioweapon labs that they were uh, relocated from Ukraine mm-hmm. to Romania. So, yeah, something something's going on there. They moved why? a lot of the bioweapons. Romania, I'm curious why Romania, because they, you know, they had the Ceausescus, which the people actually, you know, put up against the wall and killed. Uh, those are the mm-hmm. Russian dictator, Russian-supported dictators of Romania. Romania's been a pretty decent country, though, since then. Why would they, yeah. they, did they, did they turn corrupt? Did they become Ukraine-ish, Ukraine-lite? Because Romania is yeah, right know. below Ukraine. They're, I mean, they're, they're next to each yeah. other. All right, let, me take, let me check my map. Hang on. Yeah. So apparently yeah. Um, they have moved uh, some of the bioweapons labs that Putin did not destroy it in the Ukraine. I think about 11 bioweapon labs standing with all okay. the evidence that they're going to show the world what's been behind all these years, what they've been up to against humanity. Yeah. Yeah, Romania. From mosquitoes. From making mosquitoes uh, like bioweapon to release them in America to give us uh, malaria. Mm-hmm. Millions and millions of mosquitoes were released in each city uh, paid by Bill Gates. Uh, so the American people population can get infected with malaria, malaria in Spanish, you know. Uh, yeah, but they so already, I mean, malaria is already in, no good. but it's already in Central America. I mean, we've had malaria there for a long time. Malaria is a tropical disease. No, it's in Africa. It's in the, in the yeah. tropical Pacific. Mm-hmm. I don't think those mosquitoes, yeah. you know, hopefully don't live too well in the colder climates we have here, especially this time of year. So why would they, yeah. why would they be releasing millions of malaria mosquitoes 
here? To make Americans sick. So in 20 years, we haven't had malaria uh, in America. So right. it's uh, it's all well organized, you know, by uh, these criminals. Hmm. And the uh, the bioweapons that they have moved, uh, you know, that like 35 destroy the Pentagon is uh, involved in this, you know. So our government is so corrupt. When everything gets released next year, I hope it's sooner. Yeah. The American people. Oh, I do too. I'm curious. It, so. I can't wait to hear what uh, what's, uh, yeah. what you've been uh, telling yeah. us about for the last year. So actually, no, two or three years now. Yeah. Um, I got Pianca in the line too. I want to bring him on in just a little bit. Uh, where Where do you want to go this morning? What's uh, What's your your big topic du jour? Uh, mainly was uh, um, this about the bioweapon and Ron Paul. Uh, yes. Oh, what's he doing? What did he do? Was, I think it was yesterday the day before. Hmm. He was uh, speaking in the house of the Capitol, and he was saying that he's he's saying no more money to Ukraine. Enough is enough. So he, he had but a long Senate. Uh, the Senate has McConnell. Yeah. You got you got Chuck Schumer who wants to send all the money everywhere. He's part of the military industrial complex. You've got. He was uh, saying. Mm-hmm. But what Rand, what's Rand Paul going to do? You know, as long as the Republicans maintain Mitch McConnell's minority leader, there is no uh-huh. Republican Party in the Senate. They're a bunch of gelings. They're not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I only don't like Rand Paul. Uh, why? I think he's also cor- corrupt. He's corrupt, also. Yeah, they're all corrupt. Well, and where so was he? So he was saying that. The, yeah, go ahead. Right. He said. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to continue borrowing money from China to send to the Ukraine. You know, it is ridiculous. The American people are complaining and speaking now because finally a little bit of them they're waking up, but not not quick enough. You know, because a lot of this money that the, most of the money that these people are sending to Ukraine is not going to Ukrainian families, not going to Ukrainian people because. Uh, I'm on the phone with some of my Ukrainian uh, families, pastor, a lot of his kids. Some of his kids not, are now in Miami, actually, pastor with uh, five kids that they have. So seven of them just arrived a few months ago to the Ukraine. And it seems like our government is paying for their trips. Uh, they're paying for everything. Yeah. So it's uh, it's insane how the American people... We work, 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 so these uh, clowns, so-called uh, leaders in our government, are running the show, giving away all our money that we work hard for, and uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. So, no, it doesn't. I agree with you. So it, um, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just I, a little housekeeping note here. I had to mute uh, Pianchi and John just because I was getting background noise in one of your lines. So, gentlemen, if you mute yourselves, mm-hmm. then you, when you want to talk, I'll, I'll unmute both of you now. And then when you want to talk, feel free. But just keep yourselves muted uh, until then. Then we'll get the background okay. noise. Yeah, Ukraine's interesting. Uh, and Rand Paul, my question for you on Rand Paul was, remember when we first started talking about COVID? We had the, we had the cure. We had doxycycline. Then we had ivermectin. Rand Paul wasn't talking then. Yeah, You know, it's like Rand Paul didn't say anything until we already knew what he was saying. He was talking about the Wuhan yeah. lab. But we had the Wuhan lab report February from Bill Gertz of the Washington Times. We, and this is 2020. 
Rand Paul didn't start talking about the Wuhan lab, you know, for another year or two. He was way behind yeah. the curve. Now, his, now, you know, his wife works for Gilead, right? Gilead makes remdesivir. So there's only so much he's going to yeah. say. So he's already corrupted. And, it's like, go ahead. And the new illegitimate judge, a black woman, I forgot her name, uh, she's, she is Ron Paul's sister-in-law, I believe. Which judge? So it's so... Jackson? The new Supreme Court judge, yeah. Is, is who? Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Really? I believe that's his sister-in-law. I believe so. Yeah. So huh. it is. Uh, it is all. It is all a scam, a scandal, uh, with all these people. You know. One big happy family, huh? That's happy, interesting. Happy ripping off the country. Happy going alone. Happy mm-hmm. with everything, and they're not stopping this killing with this vaccine. That should have been done a long time ago. If there is a shooting in any of the schools that they, FBI and CIA, well organized all the time, it's all been mm-hmm. organized by them. If anything happens like that, man, they want to bang guns immediately. Oh, let's take the guns away because of the shooting. Only a few children die. What about the COVID? Millions of people will die. A hundred million, I believe Dr. Martin was saying, that will die in America from all the shots. So they haven't stopped that because their agenda, it's been well organized since late 60s. That's what's going on and some of these republicans are part of it so oh, a lot of them are anyway, part of it. <laughs> uh that's a you know but it's well, not interesting all of them. no not all of them but you know the house freedom caucus is, is about the only group i have faith in and so i'm so glad mike johnson is speaker mm-hmm. let's see what happens with that but here's the yeah. thing though we you know Rand paul knew that this thing was was a, was a, was a disaster uh, Pfizer knew it was a yeah. disaster. All the tests are showing that uh, they knew ahead of time this thing was deadly. You know, and it, it's very strange. If you kill, you know, 10 people, you know, especially if you're a white person killing other than white people, you know, all of a sudden it's, it's worldwide news in seconds and all the guns have to be taken away. But if you kill a million people in this country, you know, if you're Dr. Fascist, and John, there's a new term for you, Dr. Fascist, that's, uh, that's one Anthony Fauci, who is the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. <laughs> That was for you, Josie. Yeah, you know, it took me a while to to say that. That's it's it's you know it's in my brain now. But anyway, I don't know how to uh, say that. So much to remember. Well, I'll I'll write it down. I'll write it down for you. I'll I'll text it to you. Yeah. Well, you can practice. (laughs) That'd be kind of fun. Then you can tell people to go. Why? How'd you learn that? Well, you know, it's action radio. But uh, you know, you kill a million people, and it's you know government policy. You kill ten people with a gun. Now it's a mass murder. Exactly. That's that's the world we live in. This is crazy. But because they don't see people, they don't see the connection. Here's something else I've noticed. I haven't really asked you guys about this. I'm going to ask all of you, Pianki, John, and, and Josie. Have you ever noticed that whenever they have a story that's, that's adverse to the vaccines, that describes them as bad or unhealthy or dangerous or, or causing myocarditis, they always show somebody getting a vaccine or a COVID shot. See, so you got me that's doing it. Now. They always they, show somebody getting a COVID shot. So the visual image, which is more powerful than the words, you know, you can you can uh, you can say, I don't know, um, you know, horrible news happened today. Fifteen people were killed. There was a train accident, yada, yada. And you show a plate of spaghetti, you know, with the sauce, you know, a little Parmesan yeah. cheese being sprinkled onto it, rolling onto a fork. Do you think people have a train accident? Hell no. The thing of the spaghetti. Right. In the mm-hmm. I bet you all, I bet yeah. you all thought of spaghetti when I said that. Right. Didn't you? What you think of spaghetti? Right. Nice <laughs> plate of spaghetti. It's in your head. Right. Why? Because that's the visual image. Okay. 
Yeah. But if we talk about vaccines and show plates of spaghetti, people are going to get hungry. They're going to go to the kitchen. They're going to go make pasta. Same thing with the, mm-hmm. with the COVID shot. If you see people getting a COVID shot, you internalize that this is a good thing. Look, there's that nice, you know, young teenage girl getting a COVID shot and she's smiling and she's happy. She's going to be healthy. You know, of course, you know, those of us here on the show, like, oh my God, she's, this is mm-hmm. sounds, how dare, she, how dare her parents do that? That's, that's, they just murdered their kid. That's how we look at it, right? But everybody else, or yeah. you the, the sunny faced, you know, the young boy with the big smile on his face, you know, he's 12 years old, he's smiling, he's getting his COVID shot, you know, isn't that great? No, it's terrible. It's a tragedy. But because it's, it's the yeah. case happy thing, it's just like, uh, Alexa, I want to bring John Pianchi into this. It's just like whenever you see a story about guns or gun rights, you never see a single yeah. mother protecting her kids. Never. You never see a single mother openly, openly caring, pushing a stroller. Never. You always see a gun store. And you never see people. You just see guns and you see hands on them. It's the negative image. Yeah. This is all. And John was talking earlier about the psychology of the news people. They, they just read what they're given. What do you think of all that? Panel? Who wants to get in on this I didn't hear much about, about it. Which yeah. one? About? Uh... When you were talking with him. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. You don't have to. But how about visual images on the news yeah. versus isn't that part of the propaganda is to give a completely different visual yeah. image? If you report a story is how bad the vaccines are and you show people getting vaccines, you've, you've, you've got a counter message. You've got a contrary message. You're showing people that getting the and vaccine, you... the COVID shot is a good thing. And yet you're telling people it's a bad mm-hmm. thing. So what are they going to remember? They're going to remember seeing somebody getting a COVID shot. That's, That's my problem uh, with this. I lived, I lived through communists, so repetition, repetition, repetition. That's what the left, communists, oh. Democrats want to do, repetition in your head. Because remember all the fake news, all of them at the same time were saying the same thing. So it's sticks mm-hmm. in your head. Repetition mm. and repetition is what they need. That's the propaganda. That they do so. Interesting. Yep, that's part of communist repetition. So oh yeah, it's brainwashing. It's conditioning. Yeah. 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 Well, let me. Let me. Uh, I, I want to ask you about Central America and the caravan coming up in a little bit, but I want to. There's something I thought of that I put on the comedy channel. We had a tragedy in San Francisco. We had an Asiana airliner crash. It was a perfectly sunny day. There was no wind. It was crystal clear. Visibility was about a hundred miles. And yet this airplane crashed. Well, why did it crash? It Uh crashed because the the hierarchy of Asiana, Asian airline protocol says that nobody questions the captain. This captain flew the airplane into the ground, and they just sat there and watched him do it because they didn't want to offend the captain by speaking up or taking the controls. An American would have said, oh, I'm not going to die for you, jerk, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know. F something or other, <laughs> I'm taking the plane. You know, and, and most of us would have done that, but not, not the, these folks. Now, what was funny about this was that the news reported the story. And somebody, I don't know how they did this, they snuck in a joke report. And they gave fake names for the crew, the flight crew. Are you ready for this? And it's on the county page. Yeah. You've got to hear it. It's a real news story. But they said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, we have the names from the uh, National Transportation Safety Board of the, uh, of the flight crew on board Asiana flight, whatever it was. Captain Sum Ting Wong, you know, we too low, you know, holy cook. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the last one was damn bang ow. <laughs> that is, and they gave it perfect. Do you hear something wrong? Something very wrong, <laughs> you know. And something this is the joke. Wrong. Some something wrong, right? So they made up this joke names for these girls, and they got they got it into the news, and the newsreader never even noticed it. Something wrong. That was hysteric. That was bad enough. The next one was uh, We Too Low. W-I-W-E. No, was it W-E-T-U-L-O. We Too Low. <laughs> that was the second name, right? The third name, 
<laughs> Holy Fook. <laughs> Holy Fook. Oh, okay. H O L E E F U K. Holy Fook. And this is the reading this. With a straight face, right? And the last one, <laughs> damn, bang, ow. <laughs> you know, damn, bang, ow. You know, and it was just, and, it, and, and, and it's, it's just, is stare, and real? this is how bad these, this is for real. Oh, yeah, it's right on the comedy page. It's right there. Oh. So, so scroll down on a comedy oh. page to so get to a blue screen, you know, Captain Something Wong, you know, We Too Low, <laughs> Holy Fook, and damn, bang, ow. <laughs> well, John, let me oh, get you on this because you, you're big on news stories. John, what do you think? Did you, did you hear the story, John? I don't get pinocky. Yeah, it's it, that just shows like what good little automatons they are, right? Yeah, they just they're going to read whatever you put in front of them on the screen. And there's probably a dozen examples of that. I mean, you see that quite a bit where someone screws up the screen and they just read it right off, right off the cuff and don't even think about it. That's hysterical. But Nobody I, proofs I, read I these things. Her point: propaganda is a great word for what's going on in America right now. Okay, go ahead. Right. So go back to the vaccines, like you were saying. That's all propaganda. It's all designed to get the desired result of what the government wants us to do. So it's the same thing that happens, you know, in, in foreign countries. But propaganda is probably the most accurate word she could have used. But why would conservative sites? I've seen this on Lindell TV. I've seen this on, you know, One American News. I've seen this on Newsmax. The most conservative news services in the country always show hands on guns for a gun story. They don't show the, the single mom, you know, with the kids in the stroller. They, you know, whenever there's a COVID story of any kind, they always show people getting a shot. Even on the conservative networks, you would think that their producers would know better unless they're all being paid off too. I don't know. Part of it's money, for sure. Okay. No doubt. But I also think part of it's programming. It, you, it, if you take huh. someone out of a communist country, it takes quite a bit of time to deprogram that person if they can do it at all. So if you've got people that have been programmed in such a way for the last 30 years, even though now they're in a position where they can change the game. I think it's just, they're so pre-programmed. It's so ingrained in their nature that they do it subconsciously. They don't even think about it half the time. And that's the problem. Hmm. Josie. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct because look at all of us. I'll give you an example. One of my Sumba teachers, she's so programmed, trust in doctors. She will not listen to me at all. And she has collapsed twice from blood clots in her lungs. She was bleeding, 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 bleeding. And the stupid doctors, they knew she was bleeding. Like if she had her period, my sister did the same thing too because of the shots. And they gave her blood clots. And she almost died, this girl, twice. And uh, now they did a hysterectomy to get everything out. And she's like only 42 and wow. because that's a new thing with all the doctors to make more money. And, uh, and I have shown her videos. I have done everything, and I'm done. I'm not doing nothing. And usually I don't give up. But I, I, she kind of like laughs. I give her the videos. I said, watch these videos so you can get the detox. Start detoxing with nicotine, according to Brian Hardest. <clears throat> and this girl, nothing, nothing. And one lady from my church, she's so programmed, obeying her white coat, lab coat doctor, you know, because they see that in their mind because we're programmed, that she trusts this doctor for both vaccines 
and she was about to start getting the booster, and I stopped her. And I'm glad she listened, but I don't know if she got it or not, but she's been very ill. Now she has bad dementia because that's what's happening in my church. So, so many older folks are full of dementia. They're losing their mind. They don't even know who you are from one minute to the next. Uh, the lady working for me, she's going through that. Five minutes later, she forgot what I just told her to do. And uh, it's trusting the doctors. We are programmed as children to trust your doctor. Where we at in America? Hmm. Pianki or John? I, no, I agree. I just want to hear from you guys. You know, uh, good morning. Morning, Pianki. Yeah, Morning. Paul Ryan is Paul Ryan is related to uh, Andre Jackson by sister-in-law. And Are we talking Paul Ryan, or I think uh, Josie said Rand Paul. That, I, I didn't know that was well, Rand Paul. Rand Paul. I'm sorry. Rand Paul. I want to make sure we got our connections right. Okay. All no, right. Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is married. Is related to her. Well, that's weird. She's I got well to see that family connection. To be a judge. She's got some very strong parents. Matter of fact, they came out of Miami area. Oh, Jackson. Well, I don't think she's qualified yeah. anyway. She, you know, she, she can't answer questions. She, she's uh, well. First oh, of all, I don't think anybody qualified. who's liberal. She's what? she's qualified to be a judge. I wouldn't say that because she'd get accused of being a racist. Oh, listen. If I don't get accused of being a racist, she I'm not doing my job. The, woman, the meaning of woman. No, she's qualified to be a judge. You just don't like the position that she take take on certain issues. That's because well, wait, probably what, education what? in school. Wait a minute. Let's talk about what it means to be qualified for a judge. If you don't believe in natural rights, if you don't believe in the Constitution, if you don't believe that the Bill of Rights are absolute prohibitions, that they're just government privileges, does that qualify you to sit on the Supreme Court? I don't think so. No, she doesn't be qualified. Well, it's just her opinion. We have to look at her rulings. Okay, but I would argue that liberals are not qualified, and I make a bold statement here: liberals they are not qualified just, they say Clarence to be on the Supreme Thomas Court. Is not qualified. Oops. Yeah, but I disagree with yeah, that. Well, is it time for the market to open? I heard the bell in the background. <laughs> yeah, Okay, well, I'm just checking. You know, I, I think it's kind of funny. But I, 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 I like that little bell. It gives me... I understand yeah. what you're saying, but uh, right, that uh, because of those positions that she takes. You know, what people have said that about many, many years ago, Ergo Marshall, then you had uh, before him, who was a, uh, oh, I can't think of Warren, I believe. Warren. Oh, Earl Warren? Clan from recently, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that about Hugo Earl Warren. Black Earl Warren came out of California. Hugo Black was a KKK member. <laughs> but yep. uh, mm-hmm. no, Josie. I don't know when I when I when I show when our report come on. I've got my snow boots and mittens. I got my sombrero and my Bermuda shorts. So I'm ready to go. <laughs> you ready to go? <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. When did when did you draw you know, that graphic uh, image I have in my head right now? But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> that Supreme Court judge, he'll be gone because he came under this illegitimate. Uh, so-called president, which he's not. He's a crooked uh, guy, uh, which is being run like a puppet by Obama. So everything that these people have done is all illegitimate. It's all going to be deleted, all of it. Bye-bye. They're going to go bye-bye, all of them. That's what's going to happen. We're not going to have a 
24 election either. So, so why do you think I that? that? Why, why do you think that? <laughs> because you cannot continue having an election under this condition if these people are crooked. And we have to fix the 2020 election before anything moves forward. Well, I agree with you. They've I've said that since 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you No, have. I agree with you completely. Yeah. So they they allow the second, uh, the second terms and all these elections going on and all that, but it's all a game right now. So, so the American people open their eyes and they can see exactly what's going on in America, including all these wars. Uh, Israel knew exactly what was coming, and they didn't want to do nothing about it because it's all well organized. Right now. All right, all right let's talk about that, too, because <laughs> we've reported that there was a stand-down order. The rumor has it that Israel let it happen so that they could uh, declare war on Gaza oh, and yeah. clean, Gaza out of, out of, clean Hamas out of Gaza. So that's, that's, that's the current, uh, uh, you know, that's one of the current stories. That makes sense to me that Israel would do that because this, this invasion is all ready to go. Unless they just had it ready, oh, you know, yeah. just for whatever opportunity. Yeah. Now, here's the bigger question, though. Why, from what you know about the Middle East, why would um, Hamas attack Israel in the most brutal way possible with, uh, with videos of everything? They did everything possible not only to, to commit a- horrendous acts of terrorism, but they, <laughs> hold on a second, but they did it, you know, they videoed it. I mean, there's pictures of all this. They documented all this stuff, so there's no doubt in anybody's mind exactly what happened. Why would they do that? Oh, and you're, you're disputing because, that it happened, though, right? Is that what you said? No, what I said is all well organized by Israel, just like what's been going on in Ukraine. Zelensky, Biden, Obama, Bill Gates, all these Illuminati, all these people have been well organized what's been going on in the Ukraine with the neo-Nazis, raping, killing, attacking the whole country. And it's not Putin. Putin has been defending himself, even though... I grew up with the mentality to be hating Putin because he's a communist, and I live to communist. But that's not what's really been going on. It's not. And a lot of, a lot of the videos that Putin has tried to get out, the, uh, the criminals, uh, Facebook, YouTube, all these people, they've been banned, so you don't get to see what Putin is really saying. Uh, the same thing in the Turkey earthquake. They created the whole thing 10 days before the earthquake, a lot of countries got their ambassadors out because they knew what was coming, okay? And one minute before the earthquake hit Turkey, they shut the water off, I mean, excuse me, the gas, so they will not have fire in the whole city. This whole thing is well organized. And this has been told uh, on the news by a Romanian uh, ambassador, actually, about what happened with the earthquake. The Ukraine planned out with, uh, with the United States. So everything that I have okay, happened. Okay, let's let me hold you up about. I have a little bit of experience. I well had a little organized. bit of experience with earthquakes. Uh, I was in the '89 earthquake in San Francisco. I know it was reported ahead of time, and what wasn't. The only there was one guy that predicted it, and he got it absolutely right, and he made a fortune afterwards as an earthquake predictor. But as far as it goes, earthquakes you don't know when they're coming. I mean, earthquakes move at the speed of sound. They move incredibly That's fast. Not, we don't there's know no when There's maybe like a pre-seismic thing. And the U.S. Geological Survey, the folks that really know earthquakes, that measure, that have, you know, seismic sticks in all along the San Andreas Fault, they're measuring everything, temperature, pressure. Uh, they're measuring high up. They're measuring down low. They're measuring the fault line constantly. They cannot predict earthquakes. So, the, so it's, I'm very skeptical that in Turkey they can but, predict but this earthquake. But those are natural earthquakes. 
these ones are not what they create. How do you, how do you cause an earthquake? What, what kind of they explosives? They have. What Underground, kind? they have this huge machine. You see, a lot of the earthquakes they've been going on in California, uh, in San Francisco and all that, it's because they're digging these humongous tunnels with a humongous machine, and it's making everything shake. And, and then people say, oh, there's an earthquake. Yeah, because they're, <clears throat> the tunnels in California and, and, and all these areas in Turkey and everywhere, it's, it's out of control. The tunnels, trafficking, uh, like there's tunnels from the Vatican all the way to Israel for child trafficking. Yeah, it hits I their find tunnels. that hard to believe. Josie, I find that very hard to believe. All right, let's take a let okay. look. Hang on a second. Hang on. Let's, let's, all right, so, all right. Let's 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 take what you say here. So so from the Vatican, the Vatican's in in just north of Rome. I, I've been there. So to get there, you're going to have to go under the Adriatic, or you're going to have to go over land. If you go go land, you're going to have to go all the way back up to Germany <laughs> to do that. So, but if you go underwater, if you're going to go under the Adriatic, then you go underwater. Then you're going to go through. Uh, let me see. You got Romania. We got what used to be Yugoslavia. So Serbia, Croatia. You're going to have to go into there. You're going to have to go through uh, uh-huh. the Black Sea, or you're going to have to go through <laughs> Turkey. You're going to have to go either through the Mediterranean or down through Syria and Lebanon, and then eventually you're going to get to Israel. So, so you're telling me that the Vatican has all a this tunnel. Country. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, all has these a tunnel countries are connected from, with. Human traffic in tunnels, yes. I, I find that impossible to believe. Yeah, because you don't believe what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying that to, to create a tunnel, to create a tunnel from, from the Vatican all the way to Israel, I find impossible to believe. It connects. Yeah, it connects. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got to get me a source on that. Um, John, Pianca, yeah. what do you guys think? Marco, what do you think in the Netherlands? Marco gave me a website. I'm going to go take a look at it. No, no comments from other folks? All right, let me take a look. Yeah. <laughs> it depends on what we're, depends on what we're recovering. It, there's the six topics there. But the tunnel thing, mm-hmm. I, I think, is probably not probable. Uh, you know, there's always possible and probable. Anything's possible, but is it probable? Probably not, uh, especially if you look at it from a human trafficking standpoint. They don't really need a tunnel at that point. They they can do that out in the open and never get caught at this point. Um, Israel's an interesting thing. You asked about why Hamas would do what they did. Yeah, I think that I think that Hamas are just useful idiots. But they knew Israel was going to respond. They knew what Israel was going to do. This is why I don't understand it, especially when they did as blatantly as they did it. I, I agree. They knew it was going to happen, but I also think that. They're going to take their marching orders regardless. It's no different than our country invading another country and sending our soldiers over there to, to be the pawns in the game. You're dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's that reason. I think Israel made a tactical error. What's that? So even assuming that this was – let's assume that this was planned out, that Israel allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, tactically, they should have just wiped out Gaza and the West Bank and taken it over immediately. Yeah, it, I agree. It's better to ask – yeah, it's better to beg for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Well, the problem is they had Biden there, and they, they, they thought that with Biden there that it wasn't a good idea to invade. And I think that's stupid. You don't risk your country over a stupid idiot like Biden. You go in. No, that's my point. But they never, no, that's my they point. Never if, given, you, if you do it in, in the hours after the attack, they had right. to have a plan in place. Oh, Regardless, yeah. there's contingency plans. So even if they didn't know what was happening, they had a contingency plan to, to, to make this happen. 
So all they do is plug that plant in. But if they had done that within the initial day or two, mm-hmm. overwhelming force, wiped out the entire area, cleared it, and taken it over, then nobody in the world would have been a factor because it would have been done. Yeah. But because they waited, because they decided, well, let's ask for permission, let's try and form a coalition if you want, or whatever the hell they were doing, that's where they made their tactical error. Well, the United States shouldn't be giving Israel any aid, period. No, I agree. Because well, wait a minute. I we got a treaty. We, we got the Camp David Accords. We're treaty-bound to give $3.2 billion a year to both Egypt and Israel. Yeah, but Israel is discriminated against its inhabitants. And when you receive federal funds, you have to buy on to non-discrimination, schools, grants, and uh, student loans, anything else. You can't discriminate. Pamela, what do you think? I don't know. About I, that. I, I, I'm, I'm against foreign aid in general. I think that we shouldn't be giving money, our money to other countries. This is a general rule. Uh, Treaties should be shouldn't have been happening in the first place. But I, I don't know about the discrimination end of that. I, I get that they're our ally, and I think that we could fund that on a limited level under certain circumstances. But regardless, they, they, foreign aid on my my agenda is probably the bottom of the list when it comes to giving yeah, money it, to other people. Yeah, uh, receiving a money and weapon. They discriminated against uh, Ethiopian Jews, the Betty Israel. It's like Obama wouldn't give Nigeria aid to uh, technology to fight off terrorists in the north because he said that they discriminated against homosexuals. Yeah, every country discriminates because against every, everybody. Well, I mean, the Arab countries, is, I mean, the Muslim countries discriminate against Christians. They kill them. <laughs> You know, I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a no-brainer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if that's your metric, then nobody hey. would get any money, which is fine. Yeah. Hey, let me, let, me, let me jump in here for a little bit before we get it. We've had a Middle East discussion. I want to know about this caravan that's coming up from Mexico. So this is actually the Latino report, technically. So let, let's do some Latina mm-hmm. stuff. So what the hell's going on, Josie? Another caravan? We've got a new Speaker of the House. We've got yeah. a supposedly Republican Congress. We've got people that should have, uh, they keep telling, whoa, we've got to fund the border. We've got to do this. They've got another freaking convoy coming up. Stop these people. This is, um, this is well organized by the United Nations, sweetie. All these caravans are well okay, organized all right. so just, by George Soros. Uh, tell me, okay, bypass that and tell me what's happening. From well, why, what, who's what doing do anything mean, about what it? Happened? But, what happened is they're coming in by the millions. And they're okay. coming from so many different countries. Young, muscle, ready to fight men. And Biden is give, will give this new caravan IDs also and money, over 2000 a piece they give them every month so they can live on. <laughs> now, so, so here's is, the thought. Uh, well, well, here's the thought. If they're getting money and if they're getting – they have to know where to send it. They have to know the people. There's, there's registries of all these people. So let's ask John from a law enforcement point of view. When these people are sent back, which is the whole point of when Trump gets in, uh, is it going to be easy to trace them, or are they going to, you know, destroy all the computer files? You know, we got to get rid of these people. They have to be sent back. So, how, how's what's the best way for that to work? Can they take the existing records that are in government? What what, what do you think about this? Oh, from our side, you mean, to, in order to identify them here and, and deport them? Yeah, from the federal side, then I'll talk about the yeah. local law enforcement side because I think local law enforcement have to become uh, uh, not immigration agents, but but criminal deportation people. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, from the records of the people that are coming in, scant as they might be, can they be used to trace these people, and, and even if it's just tracing their benefit checks? 
Yeah, they can do that for sure. And that's, but okay. that's going to be the problem is one, you got to assume that the information is not going to be accurate and that's going to pass three or four different times before you get to a legitimate identity. If you can get a, get to one. So the scam would be, I come into the country and I say, my name is Greg Penglis. Oh, no problem. They write that down on a card. They give me a social security card and I walk away. The next step of that is I give that to my cousin and I assume a different name. And then my cousin gives that to a third, a third person or a fourth person. And now you're four or five people deep to track one person. Interesting. Should we be calling social security to see if anybody else is using our numbers? Well, yeah, you should probably have your, your, on your credit report, you should have a flight on it. So any kind of inquiry, any kind of uh, credit that opens up, things like that. Absolutely. That's always, they have to call you first before they approve it. Okay. So if someone else well, has, has my number, they're going to call me. If someone else has Josie's well, number, they're going to call her. Yeah. But they add to your work, credit. That's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. But, you know, okay, well, I'll, I'll, skip, I'll, I'll skip the work credits. I'd rather have the people not here. All right. Yeah, but potentially then there's tax, tax problems, but there's also identity problems. And they're opening up credit in your name, blowing their credit cards out, and then you're on the hook for it. Well, not, yeah, it's, no, I don't it's have any money. I'm not on the hook for anything. But, Good luck taking my money. It, Greg, go for it. Yeah, but no it, problem. It takes, years, it takes years to fix your credit, though, and that's the problem. Yeah, I know. So if you well, wanted to buy a house, you wanted to buy a car, you wanted right. to have a new credit card or whatever that happens to be, that's mm-hmm. where the back end hurts you because now you've got this that mess and prove that it wasn't you. Yeah, we're going to have to work at the credit laws in that case. Well, that, that, that sounds like an action radio project. Let me get back to Josie, though. These countries these people are traveling through, you know, I, what, 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 what does the average Mexican think? What does the, the Costa Rican think? What does the Nicaraguan think? What does the, the, the El Salvadorian, you know, what, what, what are these countries doing well, about all this? Costa Rica was going to get together with Panama because uh, a lot of people from Colombia are coming through Panama, you know. And they're getting sick and tired of it. And so is Costa Rica. A lot of uh, people from Cuba are coming directly to Nicaragua. And from Nicaragua, they're crossing to Costa Rica, you know. So they're Mm -hmm. getting sick and tired of all these uh, people coming across. But see, somehow they're getting money because everybody in all those countries, because I travel to Central America and South America myself, you have to have an ID in order to enter their country. If not, you cannot enter, and uh, especially a passport. But on some of those countries, like Honduras, it's, an ID is good enough. Uh, like my nephew, he used to travel from Costa Rica to Nicaragua because he lives in Costa Rica. So he only had an ID. He didn't have to have a passport. But they all have to have an ID in order to get in. So some of these countries, especially Mexico, is getting big bucks from the United Nations, from George Soros, from Bill Gates, from our government also. So it's big bucks behind this whole thing. And uh, George Soros has been doing this uh, in Europe also, with all the uh, Muslims refugees coming to Germany, coming to England, invading England, because now there's, the Muslims are everywhere, you know. And yeah, I remember, not in Poland. Uh, <laughs> I know they're not in Poland. Poland said no. Poland's the no, only country in Hungary no. that said, uh-uh, you're not coming to our country. Yeah. So all this is well orchestrated uh, yeah. because since 100 million in America will die from the shots, that's what Dr. David Martin keeps saying to us, 
How does he figure a hundred million? So, Especially if people aren't taking it as much anymore, figure. and we've got we've got ways to to reduce drastically the effects. The first and second shot. Yeah, but we've got. I know, but there's products out now that are getting rid of the spike proteins that are reducing the blood clots. Yeah, but a lot of people don't believe it. Like my girlfriend, I have oh, okay, everything for her to detox. You know, right. they believe the doctor. They don't believe you. So a hundred a hundred million will come in. Eventually, that's the agenda of Obama, the United Nations, George Soros, Bill Gates, crooked Hillary, crooked Chuck Schumer, crooked Nancy Pelosi. All these people are involved. All these people are involved, bringing all these illegal in. And they're telling that they're going to get IDs, they're going to get money. So, you know, and I truly believe that a lot of these people coming from the Middle East are coming to fight us because they will be getting weapons. They are going to get IDs, all of them. Okay, so they can go buy a gun at any place because here you can go buy a gun if you have an ID, even if they check you for three or four days, uh, you know, to let you know you can buy it or not. Well, they can buy it illegally on the black market, yeah. Let me ask John a question. Uh, Yeah, so John, local police agencies, are they gearing up for this kind of terrorism? Are they beefing up or are they just defunded, demoralized, and and they're just trying to survive? What's going on? I I think that local agencies are woefully unprepared for what's coming. Okay. As a general rule, yeah, I, I think that um, they're not going to be able to deal with or understand the level of violence and the level of problems that are coming. And you're seeing that now. Look at California. Southern California is a train wreck, especially with the, the mass immigration and mass problems. And it's been that way for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I remember I was there. San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at San Diego. Look at the, those cities that are closer to the border. And that goes all the way through LA, right? And oh, yeah. name uh, places in Texas, you know, the border towns in Texas, Arizona, Uvalde. all those places. They're being, I got a friend they're in Uvalde. Overrun. Yeah. yeah, they're being overrun. And there's no way to, to stem the tide without help and without, you know, basically, one, acknowledging it's a problem and then two, dealing with it effectively. Right. You know, we don't and, and see these people. They're being hidden. I'm curious Bianchi's view on this too. That you know, we don't see news reports of of these million. It's hard to hide eight million people, even in a country of 330 million. Where'd they go? Right. But then, are they, you, you know, got are they, the, control the but where, no coverage of it. That's what I'm wondering. It's like they're not here, even we know, even though we know they're here. They got to be somewhere. Are they in the schools, the hotels, the hospitals? Are they in the street? Are they are they getting houses that Americans used to live in? Are they squatting? Are they, they in abandoned buildings? Well, Where got, are these uh, people? In Liberty yeah. County, in Liberty County, Texas, you got forty three thousand. Yeah, Colony Ridge. Yeah, Colony Ridge is a, Colony is, a Ridge. is a separate example. But I'm talking about the ones that have mixed in into into regular America. You know, illegal. You Can know, I illegals. tell you? Yeah, Can go I ahead. tell you what's going on? Sure. Uh, over here, let me give you an example. Over here in Johnson, in Pensacola, uh, Johnson uh, Road Avenue, whatever it is, right here by uh, West Florida Hospital, there is like a Section 8 building. I don't know exactly the address. Uh, so what our government is doing, they're telling all these old folks that they're going to have to move in. I have a black young, uh, excuse me, I have a black friend that he's 79 years old, and he's panicking. He's so sick with the double shot that he took because somebody in my church uh, told him that he needed to get the shots in order to survive the COVID. But anyway, this poor man, he's so skinny, nothing but bones now, very ill, very sick, no family. Uh, and, and he's emailing me like he don't know what he's going to do. 
because now they're telling all the Section 8 people that they're going to have to evacuate the building and this, they're panicking everybody. So what they're doing is they're trying to kick out Americans, real Americans like this black gentleman, into the street that they're going to have to find another place to bring illegals in that ghost building. That's what's going on. And the same okay, thing that makes in, sense. in New York City. Mm-hmm. In New York City, Greg, they're, they're using all the fanciest hotel to put thousands of illegals in hotels. In, in New York City, downtown, uh, excuse me, uh, right in, uh, in the middle of all the action, all mm-hmm. the illegals, like I reported before with you, are all uh, 10, 12 years old because the mom are leaving in to go get a job in New York City cleaning houses or whatever. And uh, so that's what they're doing. They're evacuating our old folks. And a lot of these people have bad, bad dementia. My husband's beekeeper mentor, he has dementia so bad that now he's going blind. Uh, he doesn't know what. And, and a lot of them are doing the same thing. A lot of them. Another uh, uh, beekeeper, that, that he's the head honcho of all with a honey house. He's a mm-hmm. man. His wife is a so, man. So that's what, so we're, we're, that's what the American government is doing to the American people. And we have to stop this now. And no one is doing nothing about it. Oh no, I agree with you there, but I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, this is a they're talking government housing. So Section A is basically government housing. They take over the housing, they charge yeah. at a substandard rate, and make the rest of us pay for it. So if they're going after mm-hmm. government, I mean, they're not, you know, and, and I remember they're putting them in the schools. And I, I pointed out that this is almost like the third uh, amendment to the Constitution, which says you cannot quarter soldiers in somebody's private home. What's the difference between mm-hmm. soldiers and invading illegals? It's the same thing. So if you're yeah. quartering illegals in schools, in hospitals, in things that the public uses, or God forbid you're, you're forcing them into people's homes, now that, that's a whole, that's, that's a, a Third Amendment violation. So, but it's interesting that they're, they're using government housing now. So the public housing, are they kicking people out of the public housing projects to make room for illegals? And where are those people going to go? And where are the landlord-tenant groups? Where where are the uh, the immigrant right groups you know compared to these illegal alien groups? I'm I'm just curious where where are the where's the ACLU where you know how are they able to kick out? ACLU you know, uh, are the most corrupt organization. Well, yeah, okay, but I'm just yeah, using that example. But what I'm saying is there doesn't yeah. seem to be any opposition to having Americans kicked out of government supported yeah. housing to make room for illegals. I just find that interesting. It, and and you do you know? I had another uh, of my customers, uh, young, uh, well, she's not that young black girl. I, I just felt sorry that she was sleeping in her car because the prices were raised so much in their apartment that they have to leave. And that was the purpose. So the illegals can come and take over. That's exactly because they're giving them so much money. One of the ladies at Belt uh, sells uh, over there uh, in uh, retail clothing. She told me, oh, my God. She said, one family spent over $3,000 in clothes. And she was, like, freaking out. I send videos to her all the time to two people over there at that store. We're connected, and I'm keeping them up. So, yeah, they're spend, 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 spend money like crazy because they're getting all this free money from our tax dollar or from Bill Gates' uh, corruption and uh, George Soros. The United Nations is controlling it all. Because, you know, Greg, when we had the first caravan, uh, they were asking the illegals, because some of the reporters were asking, what, where do you want to go? And they all say the United States. And they had a choice. 
when once you leave your country and you step in another country, you can get political asylum on that country right there. But mm-hmm. that's not the agenda. The agenda well, is the same thing with Gaza. to America. I mean, the Gazans should be going to Egypt and Jordan. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, or Syria and Lebanon. Those are the adjacent countries. Some of those countries don't want them. That's not yeah. our problem. They that's don't their want problem. them. They're, they're the yeah, adjacent country. They, they have to deal with it, or we have to take you know appropriate action. Which I, I forgot what I was talking about that with that, that that we need to do some major sanctions on Jordan if they don't take those folks. Now let's go back to the Middle East for a bit. I got uh, Mario Prado on the line here. We're going to talk. Uh, uh, we're going to talk Hollywood movies in just a bit here. I want to let him kind of listen in so he gets an idea. Okay. And Mario, you, you can let us know what's happening on the southern border in Los Angeles and Hollywood with all the illegals um, in, in just a second here. But, uh, but back there, how about the West Bank? We don't hear much about the West Bank. Judea and Samaria. Uh, this is Israel, mm-hmm. all right? And so the yeah. question is, if Israel were, uh, I'm not sure who would know this, either John or, or well, any of the three of you on, then I'll get Mario. Uh, if Israel were to completely, which they should, you know, incorporate, I don't say occupy, incorporate uh, the West Bank mm-hmm. back into Israel, how do they do that? Who's there? Who's controlling the West Bank now? I'm not as familiar with that. Who knows? And I'm not sure, but, uh, but I think uh, Israel is a big corporation and it's about to expire all this. Oh, I don't Bologna. think so. Oh, I think Israel's going to do just fine. Well, let me let me bring Mario on, and then I'll, I'll announce him officially at the top of the hour. Um, but we always do this. So if guests well, call in early, then, then they get a chance to chat. Oh, you got to go? Well, yeah, yeah, I got to go. So wait, well, let's wait, get Josie. I got to let's, go get ready. Let's get Josie. Bye, yeah, go ahead, Josie. You finish up. Hold on, Piaki. Bye. On. Josie, uh, this is Josie Kasi reporting for Action Radio. And uh, you can come and see me at Ruth Uniform Shop on Olive Road. You guys have a blessed day. Paka means goodbye in Russia. Ciao. Adios. Very, very good. <laughs> hey, Mario. No worries. Let's no worries. Can you, right, can so you hear me there, Greg? I, I don't I'm know here if you just can fine. hear me. Yeah, let's let's give you the oh, official beautiful. announcement. Then, uh, so just everybody be quiet for sure. a Here, I wish I'll give Mario our official guest of the day as I'm scrolling down here, and then we'll. we'll I think we <laughs> did this you. once before for you. So now announcing Mario Prado. Yes, Action Radio goes Hollywood once again with our our favorite producer uh, and, and Hollywood insider. Where's that whooshing noise coming from? I'm hearing a whoosh. Ah, oh, there we go. That's better. Anyway, so he's on the floor. Uh, he's involved with the Falcon, which got me involved with the Falcon. And so this is this incredible production, which I'm not going to give away the, the store on that because I want to know how much information Mario wants to release on that. But we're going to talk about the actor's strike, the writer's strike, inside look at Hollywood. And we might also start with where uh, Josie was just finishing up, all the illegals that are in Southern California. What's going on there first? And are they invading Hollywood? <clears throat> Well, to be to be honest with you, Greg, um, there will always be illegals. I I just don't understand why our nation, uh, and, and again, I, we are as a people responsible for that. That has not created what I would consider a legitimate uh, immigration program. Can you answer that question? Why is sure. it that we cannot sit down and create a legitimate process to come to this country well actually we have it's, one it, i went through it, it. I, you know just to just to, to put a, i mean i was born in canada and i went to and my folks sent me to correct. australia and then they brought me to the united states in 1972 and so i went through the immigration okay. process i had a green card had a green card for Whoa. years 
uh, and then applied for citizenship. And I, I had to memorize the Bill of Rights. I had to learn the Constitution. I went through about a three-hour interview. I had to swear that I was not a member of the Communist Party, nor would I join the Communist Party. And after I went through the interview and they approved me, I was then okay for citizenship. I took my oath uh, of citizenship before Judge George McGrath in Boston in the federal court, and I uh, became a citizen. I remember it very well. I that is a legitimate process. I an it works well. That too. Go ahead, Pianchi. I have an answer to that. Sure. Uh, like Thank the, you. the congressman, Congresswoman Barbara Jordan said, immigration is not a privilege; it's a right, and it must be no. done so under the laws that we have. That's no, it's the other way around. It's not, it's not a right; it's a privilege. You, you got it backwards, Pianchi. It's not a right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's, it's not a right. <laughs> I know it's what a you privilege. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> immigration okay. is a well, privilege. And those that come to the United States are supposed to add to, not take mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. That's what I took my first exactly. time to get in. That is, yep. uh, that is well said. That is yeah. extremely well said. And it, so. as a privilege, though, uh, mm-hmm. can I ask this question, Greg? You, sure. you seem to be much more, how should I say, connected to those realities than myself. But when, when, that far. <laughs> when, you are in, when you're in a foreign country uh-huh. – um, I guess it's counterproductive if someone went to their government and said, listen, I'd like to begin to apply for citizenship in the United States. I would assume the natural reaction was, no, we don't want that to happen. Well, um, I'm not what sure is the what situation when it comes to having dual citizenship or something along that line? Okay. Is, All right. is that, uh, Here's how it works. British Commonwealth countries, once, okay. once a British subject, always a British subject. Uh, Canada and okay. Australia and New Zealand still have a sort of a loose alliance. They still have an uh, 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 adjutant general or whatever it's called representing the king. So King Charles does Correct. have some authority through, but it's not, it's not much, but it's a very loose thing. But uh, Canada, Australia, and New see. Zealand, pretty much independent countries. Countries that are completely independent, Jamaica, Bermuda, places, uh, Belize, that used to be British Honduras, have complete independence. They're separate nations now. Uh, even though they they still British traditions and things. As a Canadian, sure, as, sure. As, as a born in Toronto Canadian, I can get a Canadian passport. Uh-huh. Canada still recognizes my Canadian birth and my Canadian citizenship. The United States does not. Mm. So 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 my oh, allegiance wow. is to the United States. So I can travel now. Just for fun, one time I went to Canada on a Canadian passport and came back to the United States on a U.S. passport just to kind of mix up their records, just because I'm, I'm me. But that that's, <laughs> that's how it you, works. Greg. That's me. Yeah. That's you. So the, the, so the United States had me leaving, but not coming back, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. But uh, that's, uh, very, that's how very we did cool. it. Very, very mm-hmm. cool. Well, I, I, feel, I still think that that is certainly a hot topic. Mm-hmm. And um, the way that things are happening in the world now, um, how does all this fit into this whole global movement because of the technology has really brought us more together? Uh, the very fact that you and I are talking, you're on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, it, uh-huh. it seems to be uh, a, an adjustment that has to come. But how, how do we begin that adjustment? Because globally, the way things are shifting, um, this idea of not being a citizen or being a citizen, is there such a thing as a citizen of the world? Well, you can't declare yourself. Will there ever be, will there ever be something along that line? Uh, citizenship implies nationality. And so you can't. You can call yourself a citizen of the world, but that, that actually means a citizen of nowhere, because if you're a citizen of the world, then nobody has claim on you. So the whole point of citizenship is that that a nation will will protect you. You you get you know your 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 rights protected. You know you get life, liberty, right. and the pursuit of happiness. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what works in the United States, at least allegedly. Um, I'm going to kind of meet my other world. folks for a bit because I want to I want to talk to Mario for a little bit. So I'm just going to. 
cool mind of focus off, and I got a mystery sure. caller I'm going to check out too. So, so just to reintroduce okay. Mario. Mario is a producer. He's in Hollywood, uh, and I want to sort of get back to what you said initially that you you're talking about not having a, a legitimate immigration program. I'm kind of surprised at that because what is it you think right. about our program that's not legitimate? Let's go there, and then we can get back to systems of the world. Okay, okay. Um, in my industry, which is the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. Let's establish this first. The the industry that I'm in uses every profession known to man, okay? And so I'm in a very unusual industry in that sense. And when I say legitimate, um, the idea of being able to have citizenship, I think, uh, like you said earlier, is a privilege, okay? Yet, for some reason, I get the impression that that, process of mm-hmm. going through that privilege process is mm-hmm. not done with any kind of real passion. It's, it's so mechanical Used to be. And, and so, uh, mm, no, disagree. No. Okay. In fact, most people okay, still good, have to wait good. years. This is to what I want to know. Uh, yeah. Now most ahead. people still have, now, okay. If you do it legitimately, and I don't know how it's changed because I haven't done it since uh, 1981. But when I went through Correct. it, yeah, the people were very passionate. The person that interviewed me was very dedicated to what they were doing. We had a long conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, this was serious. I was in a liberal college, you know, which is full of communists and socialists and things like that. So we had a long chat. Hey, we got sure. Julie on the line. Julie, I'll bring you on just a little bit. So that's kind of cool. I haven't talked to her for a long time. Uh, so Very you guys good. must have talked no to <laughs> Mario was coming on, which is good. All right. Anyway, um, so the process itself is good, but it still takes good people to follow the procedure. And so in order to do ah. that, you have to have good immigration officials. Now, what immigration is used for now is not what it was then. So as, as, as Pianchi correctly pointed out, immigration was a merit-based system. It was a privilege to come here. And the reason it's a privilege Correct. to come here, once you come here, you get full rights of citizenship as somebody born here. So in other words, your rights come from God. Those are your natural rights. Correct. Your natural rights Correct. are absolute. The Constitution has a good. Bill of Rights, which absolutely prohibits the government from touching certain things, speech, religion, uh, guns. Uh, you have to have due process. They cannot violate your due process. Those are absolutes. In order to get those things coming from another country, and it makes sense. If you're, if you're born in the United States, allegedly, supposedly, you're going to get from your parents, from your yeah. school, from your church, from the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, things like that. You're going to grow up being American. You're going to understand our founding principles. You're going to understand the, the value of individual rights. You're going to know what it means to be here. But if you come from another country, if you come especially from a socialist or communist country, you might want freedom, but you might not understand it yet. John was talking about and Joseph Agreed. was talking about how, how conditioned people are. So in order to let somebody come to this country and get the full rights of American citizenship, they have to prove that they understand what those things mean. They have to understand what the Makes individual sense. rights are. So in order to do that, that Makes takes sense. time because people don't reveal themselves right away. They lie. We all know that. Look at any trial. All right. Look at Correct. who's arrested. Right. John can confirm that even though I got him muted for a bit. But, but the thing is sure. that, that uh, as, you know, once, and this is why immig- the, the, the green card minimum is five years. You got to spend five years on a green card because in five years, if you're going to screw up that you, you're going to do it within five, you're not going to do it maybe in the first couple of months, but you're going to screw up sometime. And then during that five years, you can sure. report it. Okay. Now as a, as a Canadian, as a naturalized American, I can lose my citizenship mm-hmm. more easily than an American natural born citizen can. Okay. It's almost impossible mm-hmm. to take away an American born's national citizenship. You can lock them up for life. You can execute them, but you can't take the citizenship away unless they renounce it. Okay, with with an immigrant, with somebody who's naturalized. Okay, we're going to talk about this a couple of minutes. I want to get into other stuff. But if you're naturalized, no problem. If I if I work for the Canadian government, okay, which I could do as a Canadian citizen, they recognize it. 
I do that. You take sure. and say, ah, you, you, you've lost sure. your allegiance to the United States. We don't want you anymore. We're taking back our citizenship. Screw you, Greg. They could do that if mm-hmm. I served in the military. Wow. This is why Vinman, remember the Vinman guy, the, the Ukraine you know, super advisor? They offered him the Secretary of Defense job in Ukraine because he was a Ukrainian-born American. If he'd taken that job in wow. the Ukraine, if he became the Ukrainian Secretary of Defense, Vinman would, could have lost his American citizenship because he was naturalized. He was not natural born. And they should have done it. Now, Brandon might not have done it. Brandon Obama might not have done it, but that's how it works. So let me get you another question sure. on immigration, then I want to talk Hollywood. Anything you else? Okay, let's bring on Julia, no, too. The, I, I, wanna, I, we, I would I love to, to have a conversation on that we'll do a separate hour. So we should definitely, yeah. we should yeah, we'll definitely do, do that. Uh, it, well, because the, right wanna... now, I think it's critical. Well, yeah. we get the leftist Hollywood yeah. point of view. I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Actually, we, we are no, 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 probably no the few conservative uh, America first, or in my case, anti-federalist shows that actually had a San Francisco progressive trans reporter on. Bianca Von Krieg does a Wednesday report. She's against Nancy Pelosi. I love that. Yeah. Everybody's welcome on the show. Just understand that if if I find something I disagree with, I'm going to tell you. And if you find something you disagree with, you can tell me. As long as everybody stays civil, I don't care. Juliet, long time no here, sweetheart. What you doing? (laughs) Hello, Juliet. Come in. You're live. Hi. Yeah, there's the voice I wanted. You favorite handsome men in the world. That's what I was waiting for. Okay, that makes my day. (laughs) That's it. There we go. How are you guys? I just wanted to pop in and say Uh good morning. And yeah, that's all. And just hear your handsome voices. (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, you can meet Julia. Thank you. If you want to mute yourself, you can hang on the line. If you want to join in the conversation, you can join back in. I'll leave your line live for a bit. And uh, we'll go okay. from there. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thank you. That would be great. Good. Very good. Yes, good to hear from you. You should call back in more often. We'll get you on and uh, from other stuff. All right, let's talk about the Falcon. Why don't you tell people what it is, what's going on, give us the latest news, and uh, anything else I can do to help you, he said with a grin. Well, to be honest with you, uh, you had emailed me um, an interview that happened, uh, I guess, about a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. Emma Robinson? Greg, I'll yeah. tell you, yes. Uh, Greg, I honestly think that that interview should be aired every single day and i definitely would love to be able to put that on the falcon website well, uh, for you. sure um, i just found that this morning up, go ahead i just found I that this morning it. Yeah. the timing Accident. couldn't be better well i look myself yes. up periodically and this is how i find stuff it's kind of interesting you should all look yourselves up <laughs> you look me up you're gonna find a yes. bunch of stuff i i don't I even know half of it. it anyway go ahead tell me the rest that's fantastic but no uh, I think it's perfect in timing and, and perfect in what I need. But to, give, to get you back to the Falcon, the Falcon has been moving slowly and mm-hmm. not because of caution, rather because of a certain sense of resistance. And I don't know if I'm using the proper term, but here's what's happening. I have met with a number of investors for the Falcon. So let me, let me, get, let me give an overview to all your listeners. The Falcon is a what-if story. Uh, it deals with what is happening with our country right now. It's political, uh, but I, I think that we have this um, political – it's a dirty word in, in many circles, but it's a reality and a responsibility. <laughs> I love right, it. Exactly. No, 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 no. It, it's a responsibility <laughs> we, should, we should share um, because basically the reason we're in the position we're in is because we didn't pay attention to what we, the people, were doing. And so the story is very simple. It says, what if the day after the Constitution was signed by our forefathers, which happened to be all British, okay, um, five of them realized that any system, anything can be corrupted. 
and it and we've seen that in history, religion, uh, obviously politics, the way it is, and so on and so forth. So these five men oh, our government was wrote up a document. We, we just signed yes, 2020. Yes, technically, yes. Government. But how yeah. could it have been stolen? It was corrupted, okay? Yeah. Um, it wasn't like a thief came into our house and took it. What mm-hmm. the thief did is came in and rearranged it while they're in our house. And here where, is where we are. We have parties that are arguing, and I have very strong friends. In, in my industry, I, we have people that are very strong as Democrats. We have people that are very strong as Republicans. And yet when I go to them and they look at me and they say, okay, Mario, what side are you on? And I simply said this side, and I showed them the preamble to the Constitution. And I asked mm-hmm. them, where in your party does any of this fit? Hmm. And all I get is crickets. And to me, to me, to me, that they should be well jumping all over me saying, well, this is why what we're doing to get to this. And this is why we're nothing. And so I, I'm, it, a, uh, I'm a very, very afraid. I'm a very afraid yeah. that there is a third group. OK, mm-hmm. a larger group that has no voice. To say why, why ask the tough questions? Why aren't we following the precepts of the preamble? as a country, and, and um, this is part of the, the storyline, the subtext, the storyline of that. Juliet uh, is one of my talents that I want, want on a film, and we're, we're, I'm trying to get the funding, and so here's, here's what's, what it boils down to. I go to the investors, and they say, Mario, we love the idea, but we're afraid to put the money in because of but. the cancel culture that's happening now, but. the butt of the Cowards. cancel culture. I, but Mario, well, but Mario, Mario, I, Mario I what about uh, I, I, what about Dinesh D'Souza? What about uh, you know some of these other folks who are making independent films? What about Song Song of Freedom, the the one about child trafficking? There, these are phenomenally well, successful Well, let's films. let's talk about that. What was do you, do you know the history of that particular story? The, the, no, tell the, me. Backside. That film was done five to six years ago, hmm. purchased by Disney and buried. They have been fighting for five years to get the rights back to that to put oh, it out. So there are powers there that they'll say, yeah, we'll love your idea. We'll buy your idea and put it on the shelf. And, and, and I, you know, it's, it's, it happens in every industry. It's not just, it's not just the entertainment industry. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. You know, I'm looked at as, as a bad guy because, you know, I, 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 we have these ideas. Well, you look like a concepts. bad guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, like and, and, and it's you look like you know, a pirate. It, 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 <laughs> I do look like yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, there you go. There's a, there's a whole other topic too. You know, you look at me and and I'm perceived in a certain fashion. It, it now you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. I look like to a, be an American, a Hollywood, you know, liberal. Well, that's what I look exactly, like. exactly. So <laughs> so before you arrive, a quarter of an hour before you arrive, they've already summed you up. Oh yeah, and and to me. That's exciting to be able to have that in a country like this where, you know, I get stopped because of my, my, my physical form and the time of day or night that I'm, I'm traveling. So they have already this suspicion. They already have, they already have my number, supposedly. And when I, when I speak to them, they find out, hey, you don't act the way you look. And I say, well, it's the, the reason for jacket, that is because I'm an American. You're, you're exactly. a black leather jacket? I'm just curious. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be no, 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 no. But, but, no, okay. but you, you understand, and this is prevalent everywhere. But, and I yeah. think the, the powers that be, the black hats, as I call them, are using that 
against us, mm-hmm. you see, and yep. uh, they're demoralizing us. And what I would like to do with the Falcon is saying, hey, they're taking you for a ride, okay? They're taking mm-hmm. advantage of you. Yes, we have made mistakes as a nation, not as a people. We have been duped as a people. We have been, how should I say, coddled and, and uh, how should I say, mismanaged as a people. And I would we say need conditioned to get and, and uh, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? indoctrinated. I, I would use stronger terms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you have to understand, I'm in the entertainment industry, and you could say that, yes, we're a machine that indoctrinates people. We're storytellers. But wait a minute. Okay. But, but entertainment is, is, is so much more. You know, entertainment is education. It is indoctrination. It is politics. I mean, even, the, even like singing in the rain is still politics. It was talking about Hollywood industry. Absolutely. That's a, that's a but you see, film. but you so, have a broad understanding of what it okay. is to, to share an idea to explore uh-huh. an idea, to walk around an idea. And that, to mm-hmm. me, should be held up high so that yeah, we can so influence yeah. and entertain and inform and educate and indoctrinate. I mean, my God, guys, mm-hmm. uh, we have such a tremendous r- responsibility. Now, I will say that there mm-hmm. is a responsibility no, in the entertainment industry in that respect. Well, and we don't huge. use that responsibility. Yeah. You know, most people yeah, watch really something do. coming out of Hollywood, whether it's movies, TV productions, you know, game shows. People watch watch right. things coming out of Hollywood. It's incredibly powerful and sure. it's worldwide. That oh, can be a good thing absolutely. or a bad thing. It just depends on how you do it. Yeah. Exactly. Now, now, <laughs> you know, uh, what I see happen. <laughs> yeah, what I see happening to the country is basically what I'm trying to tell a story about. So, in in this particular story, okay, this fairy tale, this what if story. These, these five of our forefathers signed this document called the Falcon Act, and they put it into a trust. And every five years, that trust was given the responsibility to open it up, compare the five questions that is part of the story, and compare the nation to the Constitution. Are we moving in the direction that our forefathers want? And in the last 249 or 250 years, it was brought out 49 times, and of the five questions, it varied depending on the, uh, the, the politics of the time. But in 2020, all five questions were answered no. If you look at the preamble and break it down into five statements, and all of them are no, are we bettering the position of the common man? Are we informing the common man? Are we protecting the common man? And in every single situation, it's no, 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 no. And in Look that instance, in my story. Yeah. Let's, let's read the preamble. Just, yeah, uh, pull, just for a second pull here. up the preamble. So, I got yeah. it right here. It says the Constitution of the United States of America. This is not the UN Human De- Rights Declaration for the World. This is the Constitution of the United States of America. That's the title. Right. And it says we the right. people of the United States, not just we the people. People must forget that. It's we, the people of the United States. This is who the Constitution covers. Thank you. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. And I can explain all these clauses, actually. And secure the blessings of liberty. Okay. Secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. You want to break it down real quick? I can. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because that very first line, read it, read it again. We, the people, 
Go ahead. Of the United States, comma. Correct. That's who this. That's who this covers. That's who this is from, and this this is who it's for. So it covers government, Correct. but it is, but it is we the people of the United States. Okay, this is why illegal aliens don't have right. rights here because they're not of the United States. Right? Uh, people who are right. who are immigrants who are here on green cards are not of the United States yet. They may be permanent residents, but they're not Correct. of the United States. They're in a process. Only citizens. Correct. Only citizens mm-hmm. are of the United States. Right? Then it says in order Correct. to form a more perfect union, establish justice. Okay, and that wait a minute. You now, get that now from, in order now wait, right. wait a minute right there, Greg. What's a more in perfect union? In order to create a more perfect union means means to me uh-huh. that it is an ongoing process. Uh-huh. In order to create a more perfect union means that we are constantly working at that, and that includes changes in the society, changes in the world. Uh-huh. But it, we are still working on it. It is a it is a living process. You see, and so yep. so here is it's critical that that statement in order to create a more perfect union, no, meaning that we're moving towards it always, constantly. Well, it's, interesting, it's interesting to use the word more perfect because that's actually bad English because something is either perfect well, or it's not. It's an infinitive. Right. So something yes. and nothing. And since nothing can be perfect, the idea of trading to make it more perfect does imply a process. I agree with you there, but it's form a more perfect there, union. That's it. And the union is, what is right. the union then? What's the union? There we go. Okay. The union, go ahead. So the union is the states, the, the states that have decided to form, to the, it's the states that decided to become united. The states themselves are separate and independent. And people forget that. Exactly. They're actually countries. Exactly. They could and, be and interpreted as different countries. Yeah. So that's where these United States came from. People think that's bad English. No, it's not. These no, United States. This is so beautiful. The, this. Go ahead. Uh, it, 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 the genius in the in the opening. You know, what do you want? A, a, a better grammar, or you know, an understanding <laughs> yeah. of what is happening to us? We, to be honest with you, Greg, you and I are the exact result mm-hmm. of that document. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the we're the the embodiment of it. We're the result of it, mm-hmm. and 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 what is happening to our country right now is that they're not being told that you have a legitimate, active role into how you want to be governed. Oh no, no! And I would, we're told that yeah, every the, the, the whole the whole basis of Action Radio. Oh, go ahead, Juliet. Went to, let's get you in here. No, no Juliet, that was just a really strong statement. Absolutely. It's dangerous. It's scary. It's powerful. And what the what the powers of be, what I call the black hats, don't want you to know. Period. Mm-hmm. And, and the very fact, Greg, that your your program exists, it is, as far as I'm concerned, the the, the ember that has to be uh, blown on to glow and catch fire. This is what here is every day. happening to our country. <laughs> you know, we're here five, five day. days a week. You know, yeah, towards a day. Yeah, You're yeah, going to yeah. get blown every day. We won't go there. Okay, fine. Well, but, that's an interesting topic. Here we'll is, save that here, for the, here, the, the here, report on Mondays. Yes, save that. Well, but you see, this <laughs> is it. But we haven't even got into the real depth of the preamble. Well, let's hold because off on of that because we only have. Because of the misunderstanding, but continue. Yeah, we don't have. We don't, yeah, we don't have thirty. Well, let's do it real quickly. Let's just do a couple of things. Um, yes. It says interesting. Yes. It says establish. It says provide for the common defense, not for the national defense, which is kind of interesting. The common defense, in other words, the defense of everybody. Um, that's interesting. That's and also right. the states, the states in common, 
So it's so it's really the defense of the states. And then it says promote the general Correct. welfare. That does not mean welfare. folks. That does not mean increased welfare payments. What that means is that all laws apply generally so that you cannot have there special you go. welfare. It's general. And the other one here. And That's right. And our, yep. And, it's, and here's secure the blessings of liberty. It doesn't say liberty. It doesn't say, it, no. you know, it doesn't say secure liberty. No. It says ensure the blessings of liberty. <laughs> Where do blessings come from? Yeah. Come from They're God. They're divine. Yeah. That's okay. right. They're this divine. Is to ourselves, right? And to ourselves and our posterity. Okay. Then it says do ordain and right. establish. Now, why would they say ordain and establish? <laughs> we, we know what establish means. There's... It means to create, right? Ordain, ordain means it, come, it, comes from a, it comes from a higher power. You see, you're, you as an individual were, how should I say, ordained. And the idea of the law is under that ordaining process, that divine process. That is why when I look at you or I look at anyone, okay, they represent the result of, of efforts made as a species to get mm-hmm. this far. You and I are the, the absolute perfect result of our lineage. Our, our, our ancestral, ancestral line is honored when it says is ordained because of what they went through to get you here. And that's yeah. what's so beautiful. You are so important, regardless of how you got here. The very fact you're in the room the very fact that well, they're listening exist. to this radio program, yeah. they have achieved the ability to be mm-hmm. able to be counted and realize how important they are. That's yeah. scary. That's fantastic. Well, and, and, and I, I'm actually learning things document. reading this over, too. Yeah. Well, the way I see it, God yes. ordains, man establishes. Okay. So this is this the Constitution is ordained by God, established by man. Correct. Uh, and, um, and this Constitution... Four. Now here's the last part, and then we'll get to back to the Falcon. It, it, it's established yeah, we'll have for yeah, the United yeah. States of America. It's not for the go. world. It's not for no. the people. No. It's for the United States of America. So every word in there is key. All right. Correct. So given that, Juliet, do you have a comment on that before yeah. we, we get back to the Falcon? I just want to make sure we got you covered here. Juliet? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I just want to see if you have a comment. I just want to give you a chance to. I like, I like to check in every once in a while. No, I just think I. To be honest with you, I've learned so much from the last time I was on your show, and um, you know, it, it it's a beautiful thing with self education and um, and the people that I work with. It, it's mm-hmm. just it, it's been a huge eye opener for me. You know, um, as far as how this country moves and how mm-hmm. uh, we, the people, move, and it's so important to to know the fundamentals of the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, all of that, you know, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's <laughs> people are just it's so empowering. It's empowering. It is mm-hmm. so yes. so empowering. Yeah. Now, did you right. did you notice? Did you notice that we didn't consult a constitutional scholar? We didn't consult a judge. We didn't consult a lawyer. We didn't consult anybody. We Correct. simply read no. the words. We looked up a couple of words. But you know that the Constitution's written to be understood by everybody. You don't need an expert okay. to tell you what you're reading. Yes, what, and I think that's part of that. Is, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Juliet. Go ahead. No, I, I was just saying that it's interesting when you cross-reference those words with Black's Law Dictionary, it, there's like a uh, 
deeper meaning to the word. It's not like some of the words that, you know, so it's like. Commonly used every day. Absolutely. Right, right. And I think there's a scary part. And there's to to me where that flaw, that weakness is, Greg, that we, we, we use certain words and they have changed their depth and meaning Mm-hmm. from the original intent, and there is where we have been taken advantage of in that respect as a people. You see, we entrust this kind of uh, information to our to our leaders, eh, hmm. and I really have a, a angst against that. Leaders <laughs> are protectors, okay? They are teachers. They want to make sure that the people behind them understand that, but our leaders are taking this to a whole different place. Yeah, and, I like to uh, today. I'm going to do a Black's Law Dictionary now. I'm going to start looking up the words and compare them. I think that's a great idea. That's interesting. All right, let's. Oh, uh, I think so too. Yeah, Juliet yeah, so. has been always. Uh, Juliet is on top of it. She's. Oh yeah. It's an adventure for us as individuals. It's in a freaking adventure for us if we understood what we have in front of us. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Where in mm-hmm. the world can you have this kind of thinking, this kind of approach to you as an individual? It's all about yeah. you as an individual that makes everything else, that inverted pyramid, you know, concept, you yeah. see, and um, the importance that each of us have to make it happen. You have to understand, in my industry, um, my, I'm a retired line producer. My job <laughs> that? is to ensure, to ensure that every department, that means the scene press, the lighting, the audio, transportation, uh, all the legalese is, is working in unison. Different, but together, okay? Hmm. E pluribus uno, okay? From many, one. From many, one. And when I work in a production, that is technically what I'm doing. I'm, hmm. I'm harnessing all these talents, all these, these, how should I say, creative individuals into unison so that we can create one story, one idea. And this, to me, if we only taught this in school, that your difference counts. The very fact that you are in the classroom means that you play an unbelievable role in the end game. And if we could just get that through to upper management, oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, speaking of one individual. Now, you have to uh... understand that in less than 300 years, what this group of misfits – and mm-hmm. I use that lovingly, have been able to set standards that the rest of the world wants to have. Mm, and they, not all the rest the, of the world. The rest of the world, the, 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 well, the, that's the true. Don't. That's not the, all the, the rest of the world, but I yeah, would say, I would say this. If, yeah, yeah if, if I would say this. You're absolutely right, Greg, okay? And that's that romance that I have. As That's my blind spot in, in my view when I go and do a film. You see, when I go and do a story, that's my blind spot. Not everyone is going to like it, you see. Yeah. But the idea is, if a conversation can be begun, then then we're we're ahead of the game. I'm not interested yeah. in debate. I'm interested in a conversation, and the story, in one sense, is that conversation. Well, let's see. Well, you can of, leave the theater and talk about it. Let, let's sneak in how Action Radio is playing a part in this. So, so I want you to tell folks Oh, my God. Oh, get, okay. Well, plot. let's go back to that. Again, <laughs> okay. like I said, in our film, I want you to be able to propose. Once I finish the, the – I'm writing the book and also the script. 
I would love to have you, and I've already offered this to you, and I'm re-offering it again, that I would like to literally put in the film three actions from your corner mm-hmm. that the audience will realize at the end of the film that they're actually being done outside the storyline, outside the framework. They've already mm-hmm. been put in position. They're already out there. And yeah, I know that we are still yeah. in development. And you mean Hollywood? I'm sorry. Just let me know. <laughs> I'll be there. It's not a problem. Uh, abs- yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, I do want to create a character that represents this kind of, uh, and I'm going to be romantic with you, and I'm going to tell you that this, this bookworm that, that uh-huh. our hero stumbles across and says, you know what? We could write a law for that. Yeah. We have the ability within the confines of not only the story, but this country, I can mm-hmm. write you a law that you can then present and like you were saying earlier with your other, uh, your other guests, we as a people lobby for it, you see. Well, this is, but this it's is, that connection that you were saying that we have to have in order well, to do think, that. Think about how this is actually reversed. Normally you write a story and then something happens. In this case, something's happened and Correct. now you're writing a story. This is a reversal of reality. Exactly. It is a reverse. <laughs> and I have, been, I have been told that point blank from some investors. It's in oh, Mario, really? what you're doing is you're literally writing the future of this country with this story. I, I, and I said, well, yeah, yes, I am. Yeah. But in a way, I can't just tell them. I have to show them. You see? Do I have they to be able to show them exists. the possibility. Do, do exactly. they know that, whether, that, that there is a, a bill writing service connected to a radio show, that there is a citizen legislature propose, proposing you know, vast changes, very simple things that the Congress can't do, the state legislators don't seem to be able to do? do they, and I'm not trying to, to blow my own horn here or you know, get pats on the no, back, no, but no, do, they, no. do they know that what no. they're th- that this story, and it's actually fabulous because people go, oh, that's, and, and well, you know, the fact that it's going to be a story, and then, then we can tell them that it's actually happening. Talk about that later, too. But I don't want to give away, tell me, but, if I start to give away too much, let me know. Well, but as far as it no, goes. No, that's, that's exactly the reason here. why I want three actions from okay. your corner to be embedded in the story. So when they leave, they say, you know, I heard about that on such and such. Uh-huh. I, you know, okay. So so what's yeah. happening, it, it, what's happening is, we're taking the story and making it real. Mm-hmm. You see, we're, we're basically doing that. And uh, with the talents like I have with Juliet and some of the other members who understand that their role is to represent a greater body of individuals that are coming to this awareness, so their awakening, if you will. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, my author that's working with me on the book, she says, Mario, this is good enough for three, three books. Ooh, three stories. I'm in. And I, and I said, oh, my God. Other <laughs> how? And she explained it to me, and she was absolutely right. So now it's turned into a trilogy. We're still working on the first of the trilogy, okay? okay? And where our heroes are, are awakening and hopefully awakening the viewer, the audience, the participants, the one that come and buy the ticket. And right. so when they leave, they're, they're, I'm prepping them of the next, the next stage one. of what I believe could happen in this country. A like what Star if story. Wars. It is a what if Force story. Force is strong with you the see? Patriots. It is going to be Yoda. Well, mm. you see, to be honest with you, it is, uh-huh. it is, you know, the beautiful thing that Lucas did was he started it right out from the gate in a galaxy far, far away. So all of a sudden the audience leaves everything behind and they get involved in this universe that Lucas started. What I'm doing is I'm saying, it's happening now, yep. right before your eyes, 
in this very theater. And it is a shift. And a lot of the investors come to me and said, Mario, you are you want to redirect our country. Mm, I said yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would say yes, but mm. I can't do that because they won't buy it. They don't like the word politics. It's a dirty word. They don't like the, how it's been operated. You see, it's always okay. done in the dark okay. behind closed That's doors. That's why you're doing this and you not see? me because I would blow it. I would be so blatant in their face. I would be like, what do you mean we can't do it? I don't take, I don't take no for an but answer. You, I, mean, the but, whole, I mean, people tell me but, all the time the things you, I can't do and I prove them wrong every single day. It's hysterical. So it's a good thing you're doing But you see, numbers. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Look, <laughs> one of the beautiful things that, that I have found is that my father, with the support of mom, okay, this whole idea of the family unit, my dad mm-hmm. told me once, he said, Mara, you know what? Man is simply a lantern. That's all he is. And without a light, he's totally useless. But if he can find a light to put in his lantern and raise that lantern and push back the darkness, then he's done his job. And to be honest with you, what my father did, wow. he set me up so I could learn. You see? That he set me beautiful. up so I could learn. It's true. It's a, it's a complete package. So One without the other, it doesn't work. And what they're trying to do is demoralize us as a people. Okay. And if we could work together, uniquely different. You know, fire is different. It, 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 is, it has a life of its own. That's spirit. But if we could put those two together in a lantern, which man is a structure, that's all he, that's, and I'm being very brutally uh, primitive, if you will. Uh, hey, you're on the right show for it. Language became language. You follow me. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, so in essence, that is the underlying idea of this story. We need to work together. We need to embrace our differences now, I'll say this on the air, and I'm probably going to get shot down for this. Mario, Criminals. I, let me say this. Let yes, me just say this, that you are just yeah. a peacemaker all the time. You always see things through other people's perception. You, um, you have a lot of empathy and compassion, but you always try to keep the peace. And some of us, you know, were, were so um, traumatized where it's just like we're constantly arguing with these people because they're incompetent to the law, you know? So it's right. like, it's, it gets so frustrating, but for you, you're just like, oh, okay. Like you always um, are trying to find the peace. And for some people, they, they get so caught up in the fight that they're always arguing, you know? And, well, I think um, that, that is, that is a, that a perfect statement. I was, uh, invited to speak to a halfway house where runaway kids are gathered. And um, I really was very upset. I was the last one to speak. Um, And the the guide was putting out all the wrong things that these kids had done, the drugs, the prostitution, the whole bit. Now, he had gathered about 19 of them, and he told them basically that. And I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm just ready to explode. And then he finally turns to me, and he says, Mario, would you like to add anything? And this is what I said. I said, everything you've done, and I'm looking at the 19 kids that were in the room, was perfect. And the reason it was perfect because it got you to this room. Every mistake you made moved you closer to be in this room. Now, 
The question is, with all the experience that you learned, all the things that you've done and accepted and denied and did, can I have all that so we can all move forward? Everything you did, every action, every step, wrong as if as society sees it, got you to this room. You are the winners. You've lived in this street, which is a champion's job. I don't think any of us can survive one week in the street. Some of these people do. I don't know how they do it. But if I can take that kind of courage, that kind of ability to survive, and they all end up in this room, what they do in the next five seconds can change everything. I was never That's invited amazing. back. Yeah. I'm going to give you a round of applause for because that. Because I was, I was looked at. That's for you. <laughs> Thank you. I was looked at as some kind of, 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 of anti-whatever. But my God, the very fact that we're having this conversation, all the things that we've done to get to this moment, Mm -hmm. fantastic. We've all lived different lives, but there's some common thread that that somehow we're trying to hold on to and discover and and, and rewrite, if you will. Mario, we're all warriors. Juliet's a warrior. Pianku's on his warrior. Absolutely. John Stoneline is a warrior. You're a warrior. We're, Absolutely. But we're doing it. To, you're, you're a warrior through entertainment. I'm a warrior through radio, politics, and citizen there legislation. There you go. Everybody has their own you you know, weapons. But we're all fighting for the same. It's, all, it's all about freedom. You know, the greatest freedom right. for the, and the greatest prosperity for the greatest number. You know, the most freedom we can bring yes. to the world is how we do it. And I don't think of action radio as, as, as an American thing. It's, it's a world thing. We already have a Bill of Rights for Australia. You know, we've already branched out. So, but we're all warriors. Exactly in our own, true. in the way that we do what we do, and if you think of the warrior mentality in the good sense, I'm not talking about you know the the the, the you know the guns, the killing, the tanks, the airplanes, the bombs. No, that's not what I mean by warrior. Warrior is, is a is a personal mental state. It's not a physical action. So we are all warriors. That's right. Yeah. It's an attitude. Mm-hmm. It's an attitude. And and I'll be honest with you. And and what Juliet said, yes, it's true. I'm taking everything you've done up to this moment and say how. Can I take that energy, that strength, okay, to protect the very freedom, okay? And you remember, when I say freedom, I also mean responsibility, all in the same breath, okay? There is a tremendous response. That was the most difficult thing that my dad taught me. You want to be free, Mario? Then be responsible. Dad, how does that work? Hmm. How do those two concepts work? You see? Uh, very simple. Is, I'll, I'll this, say right now. <laughs> the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, is an absolute right. How you use them is not. <laughs> you have to exactly. Use them Thank I mean, you there, very there's, much. There's, there's a simple one for you if you need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and, but you see, I need that because the audience <laughs> needs to hear that. But I want to get back to the They need, to, they need the, to be reminded the, that every day. Yeah, I want to talk about the, yeah. the strikes, too, and a bit about Hollywood, the writers and the actors' strike. Let's go back okay, to Falcon. Okay, How much let's, can you tell okay. Let's talk about the strike because I know we're running out of time. All right. Yeah. Here's my perception. As a, uh-huh. as a line producer, I'm, I'm between the producers and the crew. My uh-huh. job is to interpret what the producer wants. He writes uh-huh. a check. I have uh-huh. to then make sure that the crew follows what the end game for the producers are. So a lot of times when you say cameraman, there's all different types of cameramen. There's a cameraman that's for action. There's a cameraman that does drama. 
same way with seamstresses, and same way with makeup artists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I have hmm. to basically read the script and then try to find the team players to do this. All right? Okay. Now, here's where it gets a little dicey. I don't belong to any union. I have a respect for the union, mm-hmm. but I hold them to be responsible to be union leaders. Do you think for a moment, now I'm really going to get some backlash on this. Do you think mm-hmm. for a moment that the union leaders for the actors and the union leaders for writers had no idea about AI? That would be artificial intelligence, folks. Uh, of course they knew. Exactly. We've known about it for years. We of didn't know what we were going to do, they, but we've they, known about did they, it. Did they attempt to set some kind of beta program for the actors for the change that they knew was coming? Mm-hmm. Good question. No, they didn't. Well, they I didn't knew know that, that AI was, was able happening. to write. Yeah, I didn't know that AI was able to write scripts and write things and, and basically duplicate people. They still it's still sterile. But it's still not the, the same writers' thing as the union, right? The writers' union's job, the union's job, is to look at the future to protect its members. I'm yes. sorry, I have no respect for the current union leaders who basically left their members out to get hit by a truck. Yeah, no, and same way with the actors. There could have been there could have been in the actors' corner in the union to set up a beta because they knew something was coming. And same way with the writers. I have zero respect for the union leaders because they threw their members, and yet the mem- and yet the union say we're not getting paid enough. You're not paying us enough. Are you, you kidding know, me? Yeah. So and, I and, have, and part no, of the problem no, is, you, you, oh my God. But the people, it's, it's interesting, Josie agrees with you too, she just texted in. Um, but the people outside Hollywood, here's the perception for those of us, you know, in working class America. Go ahead. No, we I think, need we to think hear people, this. Yeah, we think of people in Hollywood as privileged. You act. You don't move things. You don't lay bricks. You don't bake bread. You act. Anybody can do that. Of course, that's not true. I know that. It takes years of acting school. I took some acting when I did improv classes, so I know a little bit about sure. it. Juliet probably Juliet could tell us a whole yeah. lot more. But that's not what people think. Absolutely. People are, acting, are you kidding? $20 million <laughs> to sit there and go, hey, the uh, uh, the, the, the criminal went that way. Oh, hell, I can do that. So that – and writers. Wait a minute, writers. I write papers in school. What do you mean I can't write a script? Sure, it's easy. It's not, but they think it is. No. They think what people in Hollywood do is easy, that you shouldn't get you know, $50 million for doing one picture, even if the picture makes you know, $50 billion. They don't get that. The perception is no. you guys are privileged out there. You're living in Hollywood. You're in right. Los Angeles. Thank You're in like L.A., man. It's like totally awesome, and it's like great, and you right. go surfing, and yeah. then you do a little bit of work, and you make a million dollars. You know, it's, it's this perception. Yeah. The perception is you guys are spoiled. They don't think you're working for a living. Well, I, I, I have to, uh, and a part of that responsibility is I would put with the same thing that, okay, okay here, here's, here's a perfect example. No, here's a perfect example. When I was about 80 years old, okay. Uh, 80? I, I, I was, I, yeah, 80 you know, years old. No, eight years old. Here, here, here's old. a perfect example. I'm, I grew up in a very uh, uh, religious family, Christian, Catholic, mm-hmm. call it what you will. We believed in God. Okay. And so after Sunday, we'd go to church. My dad would take me to the donut shop, and that was kind of what I looked forward to. Church and donut? You know, the hour that I had to sit in church, and then after that, after that, we would go and have a donut. All right, fine. I like this. This is good. Well, we yeah. went in. We, 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 you know, that was traditional. That was, a, that was the American family, at least our family, okay? So 
one day, we're, we're at, one Sunday, we're, we're, you know, we went to church and I'm dressed up, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm Latin and we dress up to go to church. We don't go in a sweatshirt. We don't go in, but we dress up to go to church. Okay, fine. No hoodies. So we're going right. back to the donut shop and there's two officers sitting, the typical stereotype well, officers, wait, officers having a cup shop. of coffee and a donut, <laughs> yeah, and a donut shop. Okay. Right, That's okay. common. It still happens today. That's basically oh, yeah. it. And he took my hand and he pulled me over and he said, you see those two guys? And they're looking at my dad. And one of them had uh, a powdered sugar in his, on his, you know, on his lips and all. But he says, those guys are centurions. Oh. They're centurions, son. If yeah. you're ever in trouble, if you ever need help, these guys will always have an answer because they're there to protect us. They're there to keep us safe. And you know what? Is that ever said today? No. Are there bad eggs? Obviously. Mm -hmm. In every single industry, there are bad eggs. Wake up, people. Not everybody's a jerk. I can be a jerk. I have been a jerk. I had to be a jerk as a line producer. Because my job was to make sure the product was done. Well, and I even told producers when they hire I mean, me, uh, I have a clause this... in my contract. Yeah. I have a clause in my contract. If a producer gets in the way of the production, that I have the right to throw him under the bus. Huh. Because my job is the production. And I have to make sure that everybody's working in, in league with the production. I'm not like here to bring in somebody's nephew or cousin <laughs> from together, the producer yeah. side just because yeah. he's signing me a check. I want you to, uh, you know, I want my, my uh, nephew to be. No. Uh-uh. Hmm. You gave me the job to, to produce this project. I'm going to produce it. But if you get in the way of your very own project, I will throw you under the bus. Interesting. That's, that's the way it works. Okay. Now I have I have I have been in situation with producers who've given me the, the, the breakdown of the script, the whole nine yards, like like you were saying, they don't know the backstory of what we have to go through. I've read the script, I look at it and I come back to them and they said, Yeah, this is a five million dollar project, but it's gonna take you six million dollars to produce it. And they said, What 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 do you mean? You you're saying that it's a five million dollar project, but you're saying it takes six million in order to produce it. It's a short. It was a short film. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, your $5 million does not take into, uh, how should I say, into respect, the things that could happen. That extra million is to protect the first five. Oh, okay. You have no idea what you're doing. That's the reason why I'm a line producer. I'm protecting the project. Now, did I get the job? No, I did not get the job. Yeah. Did they finish the film? Yes, they did. And they spent $9 million to finish the $5 million. Wow. Had they had the $6 million in the first place, I could have protected them for the things that I don't even know that can happen, but that will happen to the project. Right. Weather, to politics, actors, equipment. These are all the X factors in a production. And you well, have, to, Listen, you I, have I, to I was give uh... them. Yeah. And when I was a flight instructor, I didn't teach people procedures. I taught them how to think because things happen that exactly. aren't in the procedures. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And since this to me, Greg, is so critical, that, that, that creative thinking, that process. I remember mm -hmm. when I was, I was, my parents worked very hard to send me to private school when private school was a value. 
my geometry teacher, we had 15 kids in the classroom, not 30 or 40, but 15, okay? Mm -hmm. And my parents paid very high dollars to keep it that way. He collected all the books. My geometry teacher collected all the books and dropped them in the trash. He says, you think this is a geometry class? No, it isn't. This class is using geometry so you can think, so mm. you can put together and succinctly create and understand a problem. That's what this class is all about. So if you think it's about geometry, get that out of your head. I'm teaching you how to think, and I'm using geometry to do it. You know what? Since that, since that little demonstration that that instructor laid out for us, I had a whole different view of mathematics. Interesting. Do we have we, – we, you know what? I'll be honest with you, Greg, and I really get passionate about this. There mm -hmm. is a tremendous difference between a teacher and an, and an educator. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. Listen, I had you a flight instructor uh, that I can relate to. They would teach procedures, and they were good at teaching procedures, and that's all they taught. And the students got in trouble that's the right. second something happened that was outside the procedures. My there you students, go. I was proud to say, who came back to me after, after years of, of flying on their own, said, remember when you taught me such and such how to think? This is how I handle a situation that was new and different. Horrendous crosswinds in one case. One case, a guy actually had a seat break, and he was, he was sent to the, the, the back of the airplane into the rear seat area because his seat track broke. Yes. And, and he had the presence yes. of mind to unbuckle his seatbelt, crawl up on his knees, and fly the airplane on his knees. That Jesus. flight training. You see, there you go. Okay, so, so in other words, every single thing, every single profession has the difference between the teacher and an educator. Yep. When I, was, uh, when, I, uh, when I finally graduated from the private school, they asked me to come back and be a teacher's aide in the design class, okay? Mm -hmm. And at that time, what happened to me is that the teacher, the main instructor, got ill and couldn't finish the class, so I had to give them their final tests and I had to grade them, okay? Three of the students, okay, were above average in their skills to draw. They were, I tell you, Greg, they were outside the realm of the class, but they only did enough to get by. That's too bad. So I gave them C's. I gave them yeah. C's. Yeah. The parents called me into the principal's office and said, these kids deserve the A. And I said, no, they don't. Now, there's a principal, right? Now, uh -huh. these parents are paying top dollar to the principal to keep the school running, uh -huh. right? So the, the principal said to me, I'm sorry, Mario, but these kids, they brought in their portfolios, they showed their work, and they said, yes, they're above average. And I said, I know that. The parents know that. You as a principal know that. But they didn't apply that in the class. They just uh -huh. did just enough to get by. That deserves a C. It does not deserve an A. And the, the principal disagreed with me. He said, no, I'm mm -hmm. giving them an A because they, they, they deserve it. <laughs> and I said, good, give them the A. But they know the A means nothing. And they will go through life understanding that they cheated themselves to the community by not giving us the best that they got. Mm -hmm. Give them the A. I'm happy, but at least but I can them. talk to the parents, yeah. the yeah. parents right there in the spot. I walked out of that room. I was upset. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Yes. Not at myself, 
but at the system that didn't understand its responsibility to those students, okay? I heard someone running behind me, and I turned around. It's one of the students, and one of the students came hmm. to me and says, Mario, you're absolutely right. I know I, know I could have done better. Hmm. I, I know I don't deserve the A. And I said, yes, you do, because you learned the lesson. Hmm. That's the key. I don't care if it's auto mechanics. I don't care if it's flying a plane. They learn the lesson that their responsibility is to give as much as they can within the safety of the classroom. You as an instructor was an mm -hmm. educator. You were giving them the parameters, not only the basic training, but the opportunity to understand that there will be situations that are outside that. That's what an educator does. And that is what we have lost in this country. We got teachers, we don't have educators. And we're in trouble, serious trouble in that respect. No, I agree with everything you're and saying. I, it, it, um, did yeah. I scare anyone that's listening to this? Damn well, straight <laughs> I'm scaring you. Mario, uh, let me say about X-Rated real quickly. This is the ultimate free speech yes, zone. Sir. People come all the time who, and I, I don't expect you to listen to all the shows, but the, but there's so many people that come sure. on and say, I'll be controversial, I'll be blunt. And it's like, well, that's why you're here. Okay, you're here because Thank you. You know, people that, exactly. that are that are wishy-washy and, and milk toast, they don't get on the show. Because I don't, I don't no. need that. I don't have time no. for that. We've we got too much to do. No. So we've got about three or four minutes left. Let's, uh, and, and, and people are wondering, oh, I want to hear more about the Falcon. We're being purposely vague because it's still, <laughs> it's still in production and we can't tell everything. And I don't even know what I can't tell you. Exactly. This is why I defer to Mario. So, Mario, what can right. you tell? Because uh, it's, your, it's your baby. <laughs> you know, what, what's well, the, well, what I what, can say, what I can say is this. Yeah. If, yeah. if, okay, there's, there's two things that in our industry, and I'm speaking now as a spokesman for the entertainment industry, um, we are storytellers. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. And we come in all shapes and sizes, and we have uh, a variety of interests in, in everything, from fear to romance to science fiction to horror, n name it all. But I'll tell you this. If the world goes the direction that I see it going, mm -hmm. the first thing they'll come for is the books, and after the books, us. I, I, I'm taking the position of a potential union leader. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is to protect the union, in this case, protect the storytellers, okay? Whether I agree with them or not, but they're necessary in order to have a conversation. We lose that, Greg. We've lost everything. 1984, that book by, uh, oh, what is the name? I can't even remember. George Orwell. Orwell, yeah. okay, George mm -hmm. Orwell, is, is an indicator of what is actually happening now. If I'm scaring the audience, my job is to scare you and realize that you are so important as an individual, and that's the last thing they want you to know. And they will do it every way they can, with TikTok, with yeah. Instagram, with, with the cell phone, the whole bit. You take a cell phone from a young person today, and they completely fall apart. They don't know what to do. And that's scary to me. Now, I have no I, – I, I don't know what to say. I'm not a parent, okay? I'm single. And, and, and the reason I'm single is because the profession I chose – is, is, is the love that I have. And, and, and 
it, it is so important. Well, you can teach a whole lot more kids with what you're doing than raising one. I raise one. I raise a daughter, so I I, uh, I see it from there from uh, different ends. Yeah, let's um, just. Exactly. Is there any any specific plot stuff that I want to give Julie a chance to to uh, some of anything yes. that, that that she wants to add to as well? But plot wise, so so Absolutely. we're back at uh, at our founding and we're the day after the Constitution. Oh yes, okay. I, any, I any more you can give away on that or no? Like, I don't want to, right. like so to say, give away the story. No, no, no. Go it's ahead. not going to hurt the story at all because everyone wants to know how, how did it happen. Okay. So our so these five uh, forefathers, they wrote this document, the fail-safe document, which is the Falcon Act. And in 2020, it came to power that all the questions that the, that the document asked said, no, 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 no. And it instantly started the process of bringing this particular document to life. Now, one of the one of the precepts, one of the rules, is that whoever was the trustee would have to find the original bloodline individuals that signed that document 246 years ago. Mm-hmm. What our country, okay, because of the fact that we work with every nationality, every every kind of uh, citizen of the world, okay, here you would think by logic that they're not all going to be white British individuals. Mm-hmm. So the five heirs, okay, bloodline-wise, comes down to a guy that was a politician, an evangelist, a mechanic, mechanical mechanic, a teacher, and a social worker. These are the most common in my story of five regular people who have now been found and approached to change the world Mm -hmm. by them signing that document. Now, the conflict is the powers that be, the industrial complex, the corruption of our government leaders, both Republican and Democrat, hear about this, and they don't want it to happen because they have an agenda for the people. And that agenda doesn't include the people being able to participate. So they have to destroy these five individuals and stop this process from going on. And so the Falcon, the story, is that adventure. And during that process, the audience is going to learn the very things that we're talking about here on this show. They're going to see that in action. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to educate them with an action-adventure film. I'm trying to make them realize that they count so much to the concept of this country, this United States, these united countries under this kind of management system. We have a very good constitution. It has been corrupted. But in principle, it is the best that we have developed as a species in the world for this country. And uh, I just hope I can get to the finish line. I would like to have it completed before the next election, which I doubt because of my experience. But if I can get at least you get one part. actresses. Like, <laughs> you get one part I'm out of it or, or get one part of it out. Exactly, which would be a trailer. A, that would be the best. You got a year. Bet. Yeah. You got a year before the I got the next a year. Election. That's it. Right, but, yeah. but you see, this, this is, and this is a challenge. This, look, I'm right. 71 years old. This is my swan song. If I'm yeah. going to leave something behind, this is it. And I work on it every day, and I, mm-hmm. I run into challenges, not walls, challenges, you see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be coming back to your show because I'm reworking the um, 
how should I say the um, funding process on this? But well, uh, you know me for ideas. Uh, Mario and I have talked a lot off the air, obviously, but uh, we've it's been it's been fascinating the process. I mean, I never never in my wildest dreams dreamed that I would have a part. Uh, and helping to create something like this, so it's been absolutely fabulous, uh, as far as that goes. Well, no, because it, because yeah. you are you are the link. You're the, the what do they call the link hinge, the hinge link. What's the term that they use? Linchpin. The the, 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 the linchpin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. It's a critical part. Yeah. You can think clearly. I can take that and I can apply that in my story. I love it. Mm. I I wouldn't Me have too. it any other way. I love it too. I love no, it. Just, the, the, just the idea of taking something that uh, that I've been able to create here at Action Radio, the merging of of the of broadcast journalism with a citizen legislature, where anybody can come on the show and we can create legislation, um, is just uh, where I, I had in this the idea. world can that happen? Only no here. place. We're it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now, now you know about citizen legislation day, right? So we, we've rented our local theater, the Amagen. You, you should come out, Juliet. If you can come out too, that'd be even better. Oh, I, I um, want to talk to you about that, but, but we're running out of time. I definitely want to talk to that about that because I have okay. some ideas, which would cool. be fantastic. So yes, Documentary I am film. with you on, I will definitely be there. And if any okay, of your good. listeners can make it to that event, I would mm-hmm. love to meet them face to face because they're a reflection of our country. They're a reflection of me. I, I, I couldn't be in better in a better uh, ambiance. So, no, you, well, what you're we'll putting put together your is unbelievably as a, as a fantastic. Guest. I definitely can want I, to be a part of that. Okay. Can I put your picture on the flyer as a guest? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. Good. All right. I would love that. Okay. <laughs> and I can certainly help you get at least the funding to get and make sure that that is secured. So, yes, I will definitely well, talk to you. We'll talk about the air. It's actually, that. we've kept costs extremely low. By your standards, they're like almost non-existent. Mm. Uh, we don't need a lot of money, but I'll oh, talk absolutely. to you off the air. If you can help me, that would be, that would be huge. That will take a huge thing I'm me. definitely with you. Uh, I, uh, yeah, we can make that okay. happen. We can, well, make it, we can make it a tradition. I want it to be a tradition every year that we assess where we came from and where we're going. If we can make that a point of gathering. Oh, my God. Great. I'll make it a yearly event, Jesus. too. Absolutely. You, Mario. I would love, because are you kidding me? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks, Mario. You know, Jesus Greg, my day. you are really, you are something else. I am so glad that we bumped it. Thanks to Juliet. Yeah, okay, thanks, Juliet. She's the one that introduced this book. Nice I don't know if she's still on the Aww. line. She's still but without, without her, this couldn't happen again. You are yeah. that little light, Juliet, that little yep. light in these two doggone Aww. lanterns. My God, that is fantastic. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> wow. Let's do, Juliet. Aww, thank you. You That's guys it. are amazing. You guys are amazing. And I see your vision, and I'm just so grateful and I feel blessed to be a part of it any way that I can. I mean, I've never wanted to be an actress or um, any talent, but it's just it, well, here I am. <laughs> well, you should come back you know, and let's get actually. your story. Let's get your acting story of, of how, from where to what and how you got there. That would be interesting also. We'll, well talk about, about that as well. That would be a definite yeah. show. I would love that yeah. because I okay. think every every woman, okay, should hear the adventures that she went through to get to where she's at. I, I love her story. The danger. Oh, oh I'm God. just getting that, started, that, Mario. I'm I know. I know. You're just warming up. And so hopefully that'll be one of our storylines uh, that we could develop because I, I can see it. That whole okay. other level that you and I have spoken about. Oh, I, I am. That is so cool. 
So cool. Fabulous. Yeah. So okay. on that note, well, I Greg, to, okay, I, I'm going to let you go. Okay. Do, do you have yeah. any information, websites, company, Facebook pages, uh, anything, uh, fa- trailers, well, as you know, as stuff I can post? Yeah. Uh, any contact uh, information? Well, here, oh, yes. If, if everyone were to go to uh, stephengilbertmorris.com, and that's Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Gilbert, G-I-L-B-E-R-T, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S.com, that will give them a slice of what the Falcon is all about. And we are going to be updating that, but at least it gives them the core idea of what, what kind of mischief I want to cause in my own country uh, <laughs> here. That's it. And okay. uh, Greg, thank you again for keeping us inside. Juliet, thank you for introducing me to Greg. This is how the world, this is fantastic. I'm so grateful. You have it's no idea. I'm so yeah, grateful. Me too. It's, thank that, you. That's it. That's it. Okay. I love that. On that note, I'll let you go, Greg. You're the best, Juliet. I'll talk to you later. Um, and uh, uh, and yeah. the audience, I, I, I just want to thank the audience. And if we can support Greg to continue it, I'll tell you, he's, he's, he's passing out the weapons. He's passing out the armor. I mean, he's a supply sergeant in terms of defending this country, defending us as, as, uh, as a people. And uh, man, it needs protection. And Greg, you, well, you're, you're you. the one that can help us do that. Well, thank I you appreciate so, the so help. Much. Oh, no problem at all. Listen, I got to play a few announcements, but I'm going to let you both go. And thank you so much for, okay. for participating, Juliet. That was a great surprise to have you on. I really appreciate you too. And oh, Maria, yeah, thank absolutely, you for Juliet. You're uh, always a good surprise. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Mario and Juliet sounds like a, like a Shakespeare play. I'm That's kidding. right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to have the same kind of ending. We're going to have a better ending, okay? Much better All right. ending. Oh, Listen, sure. Greg, thank you so much. I'll let you guys go. And to the okay. audience, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Right, I'll talk Mario. to you later, Greg. Until we meet again. Right. Sounds good. That's yeah, Mario Prado, Hollywood pretty yes. wine producer, which I'm still learning more about. Uh, we got Juliet yeah. Ramos, who's a superstar uh, actor. And uh, me, I'm Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me just play a couple things for you guys. I'm gonna just, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute you all so you can kind of listen to less. We got a couple of announcements, and then we'll be on our way. And uh, this has been fabulous. All, most of this was unplanned, uh, which makes it just amazing. That uh, just, I mean, like I say, I, ugh, I'm blown away by by today's conversations. Let me play a few things. In fact, I'll start with my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, and we will do it all again tomorrow as we do every weekday, 7 a.m. Central Time. And I'll see you then. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? 
If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. 
The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.